far, far away, a great adventure took place. I'm going to regret this. This is ridiculous. Don't be alarmed. It's only a laser sword fight. Star Tours announces the boarding of the Endor Express, non-stop star speeder service to the moon of Endor. All passengers, please prepare for immediate boarding. No! Cannot get your ship off. <laughs> Lando Calrissian is a positive role model in the realm of science fiction fantasy. Fuck Lando Calrissian. And now, together by live simulation via the internet, Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell. We would be honored if you would join us. Hey! We're back. It's Star Wars Monthly number 19. No, I'm not stuttering. I'm just quoting the, the world-famous Harold Faltermeyer. I am Chris Honeywell, and I'm here with my co-host, Scott Gardner. Hey, how's it going? It's going good. I'm drinking my Rip It energy drink, as you can tell. <laughs> Rip It, named after... Well, I, I won't say that, because we got, we got sort of fussed out about uh, flatulence jokes before, so... Um, you know what? I will point something out, though. Uh, speaking of drinks... Oh, I am uh, I am actually not an alcoholic, and I'm not oh. drinking anything with alcohol in it tonight. So I just I, I felt obligated to uh, to point that out. Oh, so For you're, any, you're any in of our denial. Listeners, then you're in yeah, the denial stage. In denial, yeah, yeah, that's it. No, actually, I didn't have anything that would be good to vic- mix with vodka tonight. So there you go. What you don't have tap water? Well, I guess tap water. Ew, that would be nasty, though. <laughs> yeah. Not Actually, after the first three or go. four warm glasses of it. I wonder how it would go with uh, with this diet lemon tea. You know what? I'll let you know after the break. <laughs> right. He's not an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So anyway, wow, 19. Can you believe it? Yep. Sweet. I can believe it because the last one was 18. <laughs> hey, that works. That's yeah, totally how, works. how is it that things just work out that way? You just blew my mind. Yeah, dude. Wait oh, and wait. Man. There's so much more this month to blow your mind. Oh boy. Yes, yes. yes. But why well, hey, talk if... about it when we can get right, right, totally, totally? <laughs> what have you got uh, right out of the shoot there? I've got I've gotten some Star Wars stuff in the mail, as you heard in the Comics Monthly Monday last month. It was a couple episodes ago. I uh, I won an eBay auction and I got. Uh, Star Wars, the Marvel Star Wars number two through six, which I'm ashamed to say that I don't own the first the 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 first movie in comic form, at least in its original six issue comic form. I have it in various uh-huh. other forms. I used to have it when I sold my Star Wars collection like a like a retard, but 
years ago for a pittance. But anyway, I'm getting it back, and, and I think I got all uh, all five of them. Well, actually, it was six of them because it went up to number seven. But I got all those for, it was like five ninety nine or something. Ooh, that's and not some, bad. Now, was that shipping included? The shipping was like $1.99 or something. And, Sweet. And it said media mail. Now, this is where it gets bizarre. I want it on a Sunday. Monday, it was in my mail. It was in my mailbox Whoa. on Monday. Like, defying the laws of time and space. I literally put that on the feedback. Their, their delivery defies the laws of time and space. <laughs> Not only that, but it said there were, there was, it was one of those eBay auctions that I got it so cheap because there were no pictures. And they said, well, they're in good to maybe very good condition. You maybe know, the... Maybe this seller was one of the you know we have a we have a small legion of stalkerish travelers fans you know uh, of listeners and and so maybe one of the you know this seller just happened to be one of that that number of like really creepy stalker fans that we have. So. What do you mean in like hand delivered it to my door? Or something? Yeah, exactly. You know he figured Great. you know well he's already well, standing he's got outside my address, your yeah. house watching you, so you know just go ahead and slip it in the just, mailbox. Just drop it in. Hey, that's fine, man. What service? How are, good work, <laughs> stalker. And when you kill me, finally, I hope you do it as efficiently and quickly as you delivered those Star Wars comics. And not only were they not in good or very good condition, they were way beyond that. They were really in very, very, I, I don't want to say what condition they are because I'm not a grader, but they were in way better than good or very good condition. They were beautiful, and they were boarded they, and bagged. And, were and they everything. first prints? No, they were reprints. I'm not yes. even going after the first prints unless I just happened to get them in a lot. I don't care. Right. I, the, the first ones I got were reprints because they came in the – bags of three oh, yeah. so they had the, the reprints have more sentimental value to me than the original ones which i never saw on the shelf you know they sold out right. before i ever got to lay eyes on them so whatever i don't care about having those first editions and i i won an auction i don't have them in my greasy little hands yet but i should any day of 75 star wars comics Ooh. from which had number one in there as a reprint so now i have the whole movie when when this gets here and it has a whole bunch probably like 40 or 45 to 50 of those are ones i need so that's gonna take a huge chunk and ha give me a good amount of doubles and triples of some issues so that's really that's that's kind of cool i'm really looking forward to that package I was bidding on a on a couple of uh, Star Wars related Star Wars comics related auctions myself, and I lost out on one of them, which was the trade to Star Wars Infinities. You know the, the you know the Infinities yeah. version of the first movie. I'll get it one of these days. I want to read it. I think I have a couple of the single issues. I just don't have the whole series. And then the other one I did win. It was for uh, ninety nine cents plus like I think it was like three bucks shipping, so four bucks. And it was uh, the trade to something called uh, Vader's Quest. I don't know anything about it. It just sounded interesting. So I was like, oh, what the hell? You know, I believe I have it, and I remember it being pretty good. I need to check that out. I remember the only thing I, I know about it is that it has something to do with, with 
uh, Vader's discovery of Luke. Right. And, and I guess was... that it goes counter somewhat to the stuff that we're covering right here with the Marvel Star Wars. But other than that, I, I don't know anything about it, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it was like four issues or something like that. Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've been trying to... Uh, there's there's still some things I'm keeping an eye out for. I'm trying to get like the Clone Wars um, trades, you know, that they're basically just reprinting Star Wars Republic, but I've been trying to get those. I've been trying to get... I still lack, I think, one Omnibuy that I really want. I can't remember the name of it. It's the one that's got um, um, Aura Singh on the cover of it, but I can't remember what the hell the name of it is. But uh, I'll, th- I'll think of it at some point. But anyway, yeah, I'm trying to get that one. I won the other one. The em- I think it's called Emissaries and Assassins. I got that for a song. For you know, Those things are expensive. You buy those full retail. They're like, I think they're 20 they're either 25 or 29 dollars you know like 24.95 or 29.95 i forget and i got it got it really cheap because i was going to order it with my latest comic order and then i ended up finding it on ebay as a buy it now for way cheaper than through uh, any of the online services so i just went ahead and got it that way yeah why not <laughs> yeah so i've been trying to trying to collect those but yeah i'm i'm really digging on that dark horse stuff but uh what else you got um that's about it as far as new Star Wars stuff. I put together uh, my Lego Star Wars Easter bags that I got from, I think it was Walmart or something like that. I found them at Target, but all they had was the was the X-wing, X-wing and the troop trans. Did you get the, uh, there was? I got the troop transport and the X-wing. Ooh, now which which troop transport was the, it? The Clone Wars type. Oh one. yeah, I would have liked to have gotten that. Yeah, all I saw was the X-wing. And uh, but I didn't I didn't pick it up. I guess I should have, but I didn't. They were cheap. They were like three ninety nine or something yeah. like that. And yeah. I put them together. It's I, it, you know I always forget until I do it how fun it is putting together those Lego ones and the big I I put together a battle droid not a battle droid but the what are the um, droidicas yeah that that rolled up into a ball and then you would roll it across the floor and it would un you know unravel and stand up. And its arms would pop out, arm mm-hmm. guns would pop out, and it was neat. It took me two days to put it together, you know, of a couple hours each day. It was really fun. <laughs> I see why those things are so sought after. Yeah, yeah. Scotty builds those things and uh, and just loves them. He's got a whole bunch of them. He's got like Jabba's skiff, and oh, I'm trying to remember. If I had been ten minutes got, earlier yeah. to the to the garage sale where I got the Droidica, I would have gotten. Um, Vader's TIE fighter. Oh, wow. But I picked it up, and this other guy's like, Oh, that's my pile! And so I got you, bastard. Were you bigger than him? No. Oh, okay. He's a big fat collector guy. <laughs> big fat collector guy. I hate those guys. Yeah, I know they're exactly my, the types. Yeah, they're my. Yeah, they're just like me. <laughs> it's just like me got there first. I hate them. Just, just Fuck carry it. a, just carry like a prison shiv with you and just gut them. Right I remember we spot. went to this one place and it was these two old catholic ladies who used to work at a church and they'd collected games and toys for the church and this guy had gotten there five minutes before us and he would lorded over this whole section and had all the stuff around him and he goes and you ladies got any star wars games and they went and they got him and they brought him right to him and he like glommed over him and took them all apart and had them all laid out and was going to take 40 minutes to go over them before anybody else could get a chance and i wanted just to 
murder him in his... <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's about all the Star Wars news I've got. Uh... I got a couple quick things. Um, this is a long overdue... Oh, before I forget, I need to thank you. I wanted to uh, publicly thank you for the awesome package you sent me for my birthday that had... God, it had everything. It had comics in it. There was... Uh, what was it? Some Pez dispensers. There was a, a Darth Vader, Princess Leia, and Boba Fett Pez dispenser. There was a little Tie Fighter ship from what was that? Like a Happy Meal or from something Burger like King that, or something like that. Yeah. But the awesome, the truly awesome thing, was a a Patrol Dewback, an original Kenner Patrol Dewback, just like I had when I was a kid, with his saddle and everything. I thought that thing was yeah. They was know. Awesome. They know. They've been listening to you whine about it for the last two years. <laughs> So now you can shut up. Now Scott's everybody. Scott's got his patrol do back now. And you know what? You know what the funny thing is? You know what I bought at the same time as I bought the patrol do back? <laughs> tauntaun. Exactly. I kept the tauntaun though. I figured you would want it. It would be. Oh, I, cool. I was like, should I play a cruel joke and send him the tauntaun first, and then tell him I trade it for the do back? And then I'm like, nah. Although that would have been fun on the show to do that. I oh, I, I couldn't be that cruel. That I could be that funny, cool, actually. but I decided not to. Now I need to find a, a sand trooper. I want to see if the modern Star Wars figures will will fit into that little slot in the Dubak the Dubaks. The Dubaks back. Will. I bet they will. Sounds like a band name. The Dubaks back. <laughs> um, what I started to say before though is uh, long overdue. The Dubak brothers. Out. The Dubak brothers. <laughs> Oh, ice wow. planet, keep on freezing. <laughs> oh, man. We're off to a crazy start already. What was I saying? Um, oh, long overdue oh. Uh, shout out to uh, Joshua Lappenbertoni and his Marvel Star Wars podcast. Oh, yeah. Because he keeps plugging us on his show, and uh, I don't know that we've mentioned him yet. We, we need really to, need to Yeah, do we that. need to plug him over and over again. Yes, we do. Um, like an alien would to an abductee. You know what? I don't have the address in front of me. I'm trying to think of... Well, if you look... Well, we'll just put a link to it in the description of, uh, of this episode. That works. Let's do that. But yeah, he has a a, a, a podcast called uh, Marvel Star... Is it Star Wars Marvel or Marvel Star Wars? Because there is one of each and... I'll end up mixing them up. I think his is Marvel Star Wars. And what he's doing is he's doing one episode at a time, covers one issue at a time of Marvel Star Wars. And uh, he's, I think he's right around the wheel saga right now as he's going through. And I've been listening and it's a very enjoyable show. And it's funny because I discovered him on YouTube and I remember saying hey scott there's this guy doing you should check him out he's on youtube he's doing star wars marvel comics and you were like no yeah i was pretty <laughs> mad i was like nah. but i but, knew uh, i knew once you listened to it you'd be like oh all right this is you know because i i think he thinks along the same lines as us as far but you know it's 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 a different person so it comes off from a different point of view and right and we hit on a, a few of the same points but you know there's a yeah it's it's a very different show well, what I like, I like is it a lot. He, he's got a totally different perspective and he, he's caught some things that we didn't catch. And he's just got, you know, he's got his own unique take on everything. 
but you know his shows are, are short and concise because he's just that's all he does is just the one you know the one comic so they're usually what about 20 minutes something like yeah. that 15 20 minutes I think they're, even um, less than that, yeah. they're clean for one thing you know so that's a big difference between ours <laughs> and, and plus you know if there's something that that he heard from us or he thinks that you know he heard it from us because he's been listening to our show he because he, he sent me a really nice email saying you know you know, I wasn't going to listen ahead because I didn't want you guys to influence what I'm doing. I didn't want to rip you off or anything, but darn it, I like your show so much. I've been listening, and you know, so now he's, you know, if, if he a, says yeah, something the same that deal as us. we came up with, and he's throwing us out a shout, you know, a shout out, which he doesn't have to do, but it's really cool. It's really nice of him to do that, so I appreciate that. But yeah, you guys check that out. It's it's really funny. It's a really good show, and uh, I just I like his take on this material. It's it's a lot of fun. I don't think. I get the impression he didn't exactly grow up with it like we did, so he's not got quite that baggage to it. Baggage yeah, ba- with yeah. It. so he's <laughs> he's able to look at it a little more objectively than than we are, I think, with a lot of it. Although we'll see how objective we are tonight with uh, with the three that we're going to talk about. The other shout out I want to give is to uh, Andrew Gilbertson. He has a show called Marvels, which you could find at uh, www.nolinecinemas.com forward slash marvels forward slash m episodes dot htm. And what this is, is he's actually doing like an old fashioned radio show, like a, like a, say, like a, like you'd hear like War of a the Radio World, Drama, or, yeah. Like a radio drama, that's it. That's what I was trying to think a radio drama. But it's the story of, like, those first several issues right after the first movie. So what was that, like, 7 through 10, I think, where it was the story of Han Solo and uh, Chewbacca going to Aduba 3, where they meet up with, like, Jackson the Rabbit and Amaza and uh, Don, Juan uh, Don, Don Juan Quixote and uh, all those guys. And that story of them, you know, fighting for that little farming village against uh, Sergi X and all, you know, and the big Godzilla monster and all that. And wow, you know, his audio quality is top notch. I mean, it really sounds good so far. I believe there's just the one episode out there. Uh, I know, I know that I've heard the first episode and I heard a trailer for the second one. I'm not sure if the second one's actually out yet, but go check that out. Um, you'll get a big kick out of it. It's really, really top-notch uh, audio quality production on there. The acting is really good, and it's it's just a heck of a lot of fun. It's really nice to see somebody show that particular era of Star Wars comics some, some real love because yeah, it's, and- it's kind of wacky, but it's it's fun. You know, he does it in a really original and really uh, fun and, and cool way, I think. What, I, what, I, what struck me when I listened to it is the voice of Jackson – Sounds just like I would picture Jackson mm-hmm. when I, you know, when I was a kid reading the comic and when I read the comic now. So that was neat. That translated. That was a real smooth translation. And the guy they get to play Han Solo sounds like Harrison Ford. Yeah, closer than say, you know, the records they used to, you know, the storybook records they yeah. used to make that went along with Star Wars. You know that, and that's no mean feat. You know, Harrison Ford is a hard guy to sort of copy the mannerisms of and. You know, it comes off as a plausible. You buy him as Han Solo, and it works. And yeah. hey, that's that's something else. And yes, the audio quality is top notch. They're doing a really, really good job at being creative with the with the mixing. I thought they got a little fancy here and there with trying to do the sort of Robert Altman crossing 
conversations. The conversations, yeah. But I, but I could see what they were trying to do. You know, they were having one. You know, they were leading out of one conversation, and then you would pick up another one. But it was a little distracting to still be able to hear the second conversation. But I'll tell you what, that sort of stuff sometimes can be a little distracting upon the first listen to. But when I hear stuff like that, it means, ah, this thing's probably layered enough so it will bear up to repeated listenings. Right. So, yeah, I, 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 say, ch- I say check it out. <laughs> well, let's go through uh, the old uh, Star Wars mailbag here. And we got some feedback that I wanted to cover. We have one here from, unfortunately, there is no name on this, but this is from a a fellow, we'll call him uh, Orin35. He writes saying, thanks, dudes. He says, I found your podcast while searching for Marvel Star Wars sites, and I had to say thanks. Uh, These are my absolute favorite Star Wars stories. I have pretty much all but the last seven issues of the series as originally printed and even bought all of the Dark Horse a long time ago trade paperbacks. I've been trying to find those on the cheap myself because I hear the reprinting of those is really, really nice. Nice, yeah. Says, I have listened to all of the podcasts up to the ones covering the Wheel Saga and, and am enjoying the shit out of them. Can't wait till you get to the Simonson run. Issue 61, Screams in the Void, was my all-time favorite issue and Star Wars story. I'm trying to remember which one that one is. I'm not sure exactly which one 61 is. You guys are great to listen to, and I wish I was in your area. Uh, I would like to grab a brew with you and shoot the shit. But I'm all the way out in Indiana. Indiana. He says, by the way, my email of um, Orin35 comes from the movie Star Chaser, The Legend of Orin. It's an animated Star Wars ripoff from 1985. And if you have ever seen it, tell me George Lucas did not get the idea for Darth Maul's death from this movie. It's true. And I, I'll tell you, I found it at a thrift store once, and I just bought it for like a quarter and was like, oh, it's some animated movie. And I started like looking it up and found out eh, it, wasn't a, it was kind of a rare videotape because it wasn't uh-huh. out on DVD. And it was nicely animated, but it was a flat-out ripoff of Star Wars, maybe more Star Wars starring Han Solo, the main kid. There was a Han Solo. No, actually, the main character was Luke, and it was just flat out. But it was it was entertaining, and it was above average for that kind of thing. And right. it was just a neat little hidden hidden gem. I, I actually was like, I'm not going to sell this on eBay. I'm going to hold on to this <laughs> and watch it. It's, it's almost like a little addition to a Star Wars collection, you know? I need to see it again. I know I saw it when it came out, and I can't remember a thing about it, but I know that I did see it back in the day. He continues here that uh, George Lucas ripped off a ripoff. Anyway, I am sure I will comment on future episodes. Also, if you get a chance to go on YouTube, I made some videos under the heading Star Wars Radio Drama Slideshow that adapts the first NPR radio drama into a sort of limited animation movie with pictures, rare artwork, and video. Well, that sounds cool. To say I've gotten a lot of views, but not a lot of comments, and would like to get some feedback. Well, thanks for reading this. Hope I made some new friends here. Peace out. And then he had a little addendum later on. He said, uh, I skipped ahead on the podcast and listened to your monthly Monday reviews of the Empire Strikes Back comic adaptation. Very entertaining. Uh, if you like Al Williamson's stuff, try and track down the newspaper strips that Dark Horse collected as classic Star Wars. 
more awesome artwork and not all movie stills. This is where he really shines. And that was from Oren35. And he's absolutely right. I ha I just recently bought that stuff really cheap in trades, and I haven't had a chance to read all the way through it yet. But, yeah, I know that you're a big fan of that. Uh, I've been seeing that. it. Williamson stuff, Chris. Yeah. You need to check that out. I've been seeing those on eBay, but I didn't know they were Ally Williamson, so I might keep a little sharper eye out on those. Yeah, I discovered them because I've been trying to track down all of the um, the Russ Manning strips because those were the ones that ran in our paper when we right. were kids. I don't remember the Williamson stuff, but I remember the uh, the Russ Manning stuff. But I went ahead and bought them anyway because they were dirt cheap, and I'd never read them, so I figured, you know, what the heck, I'd go ahead and you know, they, I mean, they were like super dirt cheap. And, uh, and pick those up, but I haven't had a chance to actually crack them open yet, so I'll, I'll have to report back on that later. All right, let me go on to the next one here. <laughs> okay, this, this one's a great one. This one is from the aforementioned Joshua, Joshua Lappin-Bertoni, who does the uh, Marvel Star Wars pod podcast I was just talking about, and the header on this one is... Dodonna and the princess are totally doing it. I, I know. <laughs> this one's awesome. It says, hey, guys, I just listened to an older Star Wars Monthly Monday where you speculated on General Dodonna and Leia having a dalliance. I would like to direct you to two scanned images attached in this email from Dark Horse uh, classic Star Wars reprint of the newspaper strip. Note that this story and the one you reviewed are both by Archie Goodwin. And we're going to post these in the show notes when, when we put this episode up so you can see it but yeah i completely agree with josh that this pretty much clinches it that some hanky panky was going on yeah. between uh leia and dodonna and i would even speculate i think maybe han or luke offed the old fart and that's why we didn't see him in the empire strikes back i think, I think han just buttonholed him in the in the hallway and was like look the old fart <laughs> I'll kick your ass, man. Oh, this is excellent, though. But yeah, I appreciate that very much, Josh. That was that. That is very funny, and uh, and the listeners are going to get a kick out of that. We also got an awesome, awesome Star Wars spreadsheet from John Wilson, listener to the show, that basically charts the order of release of everything Star Wars related in print comics and uh movie adaptations the novels the eu stuff everything and that's going to come in really handy as yeah. i try to track all this stuff down so thanks to uh to john for that okay the next one is from regular listener and contributor to the show mike petite biblio mike on the forum he writes in about the empire strikes back two true freaks special he says hey guys since you don't seem to be posting response areas on the comic forums anymore, I guess you found found a way to get me to send an actual email to the show. Okay, first of all, it's not my fault the forum's down, okay? The the forum uh, is owned by someone else and we're doing our best to keep up with It's it's back. It's it's back and running now. Is it up now. now? Because I went in, I started to go in yesterday to update one of our latest postings, and it was down again. So. Oh, really? I'm, yeah. Uh, I haven't had any trouble with it oh, since okay. it came back up. Man, maybe I need to go in and check again. But yeah, for a while there, it was running great, you know, because I went in and I updated everything. Because I, I, I took this as a mild scolding from, from BiblioMike that I needed to go and update the forum and all that. And then I, as soon as I checked in, there was somebody had started a thread saying, is this forum dead? And I was like, no, 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 
it's not dead. So I went in and I updated everything and I replied to everybody's posts and did all my my stuff. So it, it's just hard to keep up with the forum sometimes with the with the hectic schedule I've got. But I've been trying. So anyway, no, the forum is not dead and I have not abandoned the forum. So don't don't feel that way, guys. But I can only go in there when it's when it's running, when it's up and that I have no control over that. Anyway, he says, thanks for doing this retrospective on The Empire Strikes Back. I loved every minute of it start to finish. My family took me to see The Empire Strikes Back for my eighth birthday. I remember even my mom was impressed at how good it was. Her favorite moment was Chewie howling when the echo base doors have to be closed for the night, which was uh, an improv, by the way. She lifted it up as a moment to show how, to her mind, surprisingly deep the characters had become. And that's in, what, the first 10 minutes? And yes, I was one of the kids who refused to believe that Darth Vader really was Luke's father. Looking back now, one piece of evidence I should have noted but didn't, and something I don't think you mentioned in your discussion, was the fact that Luke and Vader are able to sense each other telepathically during the escape from Cloud City, let alone that tree cave sequence on Dagobah. I suppose uh, that could just be interpreted as the po- as a possibility because both of them are attuned to the Force. But remember that Luke calls out Father when Vader first reaches out to his mind, not Darth Vader, as he does, for instance, in Splinter the Mind's Eye. Along these lines, I can't believe I didn't pick up on the fact that Leia and Luke could communicate via the Force as well. The identity of the other should have been so apparent. I have always wondered why Ben Kenobi either doesn't seem aware of Leia being the other in The Empire Strikes Back or perhaps discounts her as a viable backup plan. I'm sure there are a myriad of explanations in the EU uh, that I just haven't run across yet. I I wonder if that was fully plotted out. I've always kind of wondered that. If even when that hint was dropped about the other, that Lucas was firm that Leia was going to be the other. I think Lucas leaves himself some openings sometimes, like midichlorians. Right, right. And and Anakin's virgin birth. He just sort of throws something out there in case it might come in handy someday, and it might or it might not. Right. Keeps people guessing. Says, I agree with Chris that the Empire Strikes Back Special Edition is the least offensive of them. He says, I know, Scott, you don't care for any of them. Well, that's not true. I mean, I like elements of them, but overall... Yeah, I'd rather they let he had just not tinkered with them. My my problem with the the special editions is that I thought that the intent was to fix actual like mistakes and problems with the movies, not go in and just tinker with them because you can't, you know, to show how clever you are or whatever. That that's really my problem. But I'll I'll agree of of the of the three special editions, the the one that bugs me the least is the empire one but that's not to say i i like it either there's i i have major problems with it but anyway uh he continues but not all the changes are basically uh excuse me but not all the changes are basically cosmetic as you stated the original emperor has not only been replaced with ian mcdermott which i for one frankly have no problem with but also the dialogue has been altered and that's a little stickier the son of skywalker still live palpatine now says uh, and while there's a nice new parallel in that Palpatine can now tell Vader, as Vader will later tell Luke, search your feelings and you know it to be true, at least I think that's new, it does majorly telegraph the big reveal at the end. I guess the special editions are supposed to be watched in sequence as parts of episodes one through six, but it's a shame I don't to know rob about that. Yeah, I don't know about that either. 
says, but it's a shame to rob Vader's revelation of some of its power. I, I think at this point it's robbed of pretty much all of its power. And that's, that is a shame. That really is that. I think at this point it, it would be hard for somebody to watch Empire for the first time, but go into it not knowing that Vader is Luke's father. That, yeah, that's, kids that's, will. Yeah. There'll be kids. Will. Oh, you, yeah, you I know, guess. This, the, the, the people, the parents will know to show their kids them in the correct sequence for the most part I believe I believe most parents will show them Star Wars first he says Scott just as an aside for curiosity's sake what gives the Superman score the edge over the Empire Strikes Back in your opinion I agree with you that uh, these are my two favorite movie scores of all but I would reverse the order although that Superman march just never ever fails to give me goosebumps I think the Empire Strikes Back has more distinct themes combined in many more interesting ways than Superman. Not trying to pick a fight, though, just curious. By the way, the closing cue underscoring the Rebel fleet and the end credits remains my all-time favorite Star Wars score cue. Beautiful and soaring and just 110% perfect. I think, honestly, the, the, the big thing that gives Superman the edge over The Empire Strikes Back simply is the fact that it's, it's Superman. You know, it's... That's it's what hard. I thought you were going to say. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard to put it into words, honestly, but I, I think it's just the fact that it's Superman. It's it's dead on perfect for, for what I think a Superman score should be. And it's just the emotional attachment I have to it. Not that I don't have an emotional attachment to The Empire Strikes Back. I, I really, really do. But I get a different emotional feeling from Superman than I get from Empire. Empire is... Uh, is moody and dark and it fits that movie perfectly and i relive that movie through the music whereas superman it, it just it, it's a it's a feeling i get from it it's a it's an elevation in a in a, in a i don't know I, I i'm i'm at a loss for words to you just to, like it better i just i just do i just like it better um but yeah de- the empire strikes back definitely you know that that number two spot uh, he says, anyway, again, I uh, really enjoyed those uh, this love letter to The Empire Strikes Back. Thanks uh, for it, and can't wait for the Return of the Jedi episode. Uh, P.S., he says, Chris, I gotta disagree that The Two Towers is the best installment of Lord of the Rings, but that's a debate for another time. Will Two True Freaks be tackling the Tolkien films at some point? And then he asks, please, and that's from Mike Petit, Biblio Mike on the forum, and you know, Two things real quick for me. My two cents is uh, I totally agree with you, Chris. I think the Two Towers is clearly the the best one of that trilogy. But that you know that's just my two cents, and I'm not all that invested in the Lord of the Rings. I, I, I thought, yeah, I was I was more invested in Lord because like the Hobbit's one of a, you know I remember reading the Hobbit in elementary school, and then getting into Lord of the Rings and Mike Cross and Craig Phelps and all those guys. We were all reading it multiple times. But I, I just thought the the Two Towers was... I, I, I thought that The Return of the King was the most exciting of all of them. But, I yeah, the, 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 the middle one is always... Just always seems to be more intriguing to it, me. It's and, the dark middle chapter where everybody's in peril. Yeah, you know? but I, I think we could do a show on it. I would have to... I would have to watch them again. And I have the, like two disc special editions with all yeah, the me extra. Too. <laughs> so, yeah, me too. Yeah, I'd be down for that. And and you were someone who wasn't really a fan at all, and then you got hooked into them by the movies and actually enjoyed the movies. 
So mm-hmm. we could, you know, I mean, it, it would. It's it's a possibility. It just might take some time because it's gonna take some time to go through those. Oh yeah. Those movies, or maybe it'll have to be a three part special or something. But that's a possibility. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I would I would definitely want to do it one all. movie at a time. Yeah, yeah. I think that that would be the only way to do it justice would be to cover one movie at a time. Because yeah, to to try to do them all in one show is a is a mammoth undertaking. But then also, well, you see, that, I I wouldn't want to even be like trying to synopsize the plot. I would just want to just sort of talk about them <laughs> because right. it's such a tangled web and. And right. the people who are, you know, the people who know Lord of the Rings know all that, you know. It's yeah, I think we could treat them like we do our Star Wars yeah. episodes where we don't have to say, okay, and then this happens and then that happens. We just have to take it yeah. that, you know, they've seen the films. But yeah, what I what I more was talking about was if we are going to do it all in one episode, the prep time involved is crazy because those special editions, what are they, like three, four hours each movie, aren't they? I mean, they're long. Yeah, they have like an extra 50 minutes added to a three-hour movie. Yeah, so they're pretty yeah. much four hours long. Yeah, they're yeah. pushing four hours. So, yeah, that, that's that's crazy time. That's a lot more time than I – but I'm due for a rewatch. It's It's been a while since I've watched all and, three of them. And so, those yeah. special – those lengthy director's cuts are a rare example of ones where the, the stuff that's added to them actually improves a movie. I think so. I definitely think so. I really do. I, I really enjoy them, and I'm surprised that I did because that's so not my genre. Yeah, me, me too. All right, real quick, last letter, and uh, this was one I, I wanted to make sure that we got to, was from, uh, well, I'm going to save that to the end, who this one is from. But this one is entitled Star Wars Monthly Monday, number 17, episode 103, and it says, Scott and Chris, you asked for more emails, so here you go. I've only recently discovered your podcast and have quickly become an avid follower of your Star Wars and Star Trek Monthly Monday episodes. Really? Says, I'm loving them, you freaks. Frighteningly, our passions are very similar. My love for Star Wars runs deep in the areas of the Marvel comics and the EU novels. I completely agree that the best era for the uh, Marvel comics series starts with issue 49 and goes through number 81 between Empire and Return of the Jedi. I own all the issues, but a few years ago picked up the Dark Horse a long time ago trades and have been following along with you through those. I haven't dipped my toe into the prequel era EU, uh, but I've read nearly every post A New Hope EU novel. Wow. I started with Heir to the Empire and have been hooked ever since. While I'm not into the prequel era EU, you may have convinced me to try the Republic Commando novels. I would say definitely uh, check out that Order 66 one. Um, That one was fantastic. And I'm ashamed to admit it, but I'm still working on the next one just because I cannot seem to find the time to sit down and read a freaking book lately. It's just scary, but uh, loving it anyway. Anyway, he says, uh, on episode 103, you hypothesized why Dark Horse changed the name of their monthly Star Wars comic to Star Wars Republic. The reason is they launched a second monthly comic entitled Star Wars Empire, which was set just after A New Hope. They added Republic uh, to their first monthly series to help distinguish it. Star Wars Empire was eventually canceled and relaunched as Star Wars Rebellion. Both Empire and Rebellion were very good series, some of the best Star Wars comics I've read, and I will definitely agree with you on that. Uh, I've read both those series, and they were fantastic. 
He says, did I hear polka-style Star Wars music playing in the background of one of your episodes? If so, where did you get that? I gotta get a copy. And Chris, that was that Swingle... Is it Swingle Singers or Swingle Sisters that you no, put into... It was um, it was a guy with an accordion. I can't remember his name. I found it on YouTube. It was a live performance at a bar. Oh, okay. I was thinking it was that Swingle... Is that Singers? Swingle Singers swingle that you put in there? Singers, yeah. But oh, the, okay. no, 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 there was... And that that I I believe it was an accordion version of huh. of medley of the Star Wars theme and the uh, it might have had the uh, cantina theme in there too. We've got to find that link and and put that up at some point. He says, "Do you have cocktails in the cantina? The lounge music Star Wars album. It's hilarious. Yes, we do, and I think we've snuck some of that in from time to time in the you've background. Pro- you've probably heard some since you've written that letter, actually, because I've, <laughs> I've used it. He says recently. also the uh, Shadows of the Empire soundtrack is pretty good too. If you don't have these, let me know, and I'll uh, get you hooked up. Actually, Shadows of the Empire, I do have, and uh, that another, that's another one I think that you'll hear in the background in some of our episodes. It has, but, it has uh, turned up. I remember it turning up in some very early Star mm-hmm. Wars Monthly Mondays. He says, keep up the great work, and this is from the Irredeemable Shag. And uh, he uh, does a couple of uh, different projects that you can find at onceuponageek.com firestormfan.com and he's the semi-regular co-host with Michael Bailey of Views from the Longbox which ah. you can find at viewsfromthelongbox.com so thank you Shag really appreciate the uh, the mega positive feedback man that's awesome and uh, I, I contacted Shag right after I got this and told him that he is always welcome to come join us sometime on the show and talk Star Wars and he got all excited about that so uh, oh, we will definitely have Shag on the show at some time because he is a freaking riot very funny guy and with that that wraps up our emails and not only does it wrap up our emails that cleans out the Star Wars mailbag so uh, keep those cards and letters coming as they used to say because we need some new yep. Star Wars feedback now and we'll be right back with that and empty sacks. <laughs> Hi everyone, Mike Poteet here, Biblio Mike on the forums, with a comic book suggestion for you. If you've always assumed that there had to have been more to Luke's training with Yoda in The Empire Strikes Back than what we saw on screen, I've got a comic book for you that proves indeed there was. This is Luke Skywalker and the Treasure of the Dragon Snakes, script by Tom Taylor, art by DeJong. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, but I'm probably not. It's part of the Star Wars Adventures Digest series published by Dark Horse. It's an all-ages comic adventure, and it is a lot of fun to read. It doesn't take very long to get through, but it's well worth the time that it does take. It's very entertaining. The art is wonderful to look at. Very vivid, very detailed. Some scenes in which we're remembering events of the movie look like they have been lifted straight from the film almost. Not in the sense that the artist is tracing, but that he really knows his stuff. He gets all the details just so, just right. And the original images are equally 
if not more so, striking. The dragon snake of the title is a classic fairy tale monster right out of the Brothers Grimm or J.R.R. Tolkien. With the big wings and the sharp claws and the fearsome fangs. Great stuff. Some terrific panels where Luke battles the dragon snake with his lightsaber. Hope that's not considered too much of a spoiler, given the book's title. Lots of fun to look at. And the story is a lot of fun to read. Taylor has written a great script. It's really a simple, straightforward quest tale, but he embellishes it and leavens it with some terrific grace notes along the way that really bring the story to life and engage you on several levels. For example, there's one scene where Yoda and R2 are left alone while Luke is off on one task of his adventure. And that scene acknowledges the prequels, that Yoda and R2 have some history together before this movie. It doesn't dwell on it, but it's there. It adds a layer of real feeling to the Star Wars universe. Yoda, as a character in this book, is the real standout, though. He's not quite the Yoda we see in The Empire Strikes Back, but it's okay because he has a wicked sense of humor, just like you've maybe imagined Yoda always had. There's one scene early on in the book where he is training Luke, having Luke stand on his head for hours on end, and the only explanation he gives is, mysterious are the ways of the Force. Luke says, did you just make me stand on my head for two hours because I was annoying you? And Yoda only smiles and says, very mysterious. The subtext is clear. Yoda's having some fun with the new hope of the galaxy. So, again, this is an old-fashioned dragon-slaying adventure with a Yoda who is and is not the Jedi Master we see on screen, but is a really awesome character with an extra dash of snark thrown in for good measure. My eight-year-old son and I both give this book a big thumbs up, and I hope you will too. Pick it up, have fun with it. Star Wars, The Clone Wars. In a rescue attempt in the Quell system, Ahsoka, Rex, and Ayla Secura get shipwrecked on an alien world with a gravely injured Anakin Skywalker. All right, well, what did you think of uh, of uh, this episode? It's been a couple months since we've done a Clone Wars. It has, and you know what? So it's, it's we, good to be back. It is good to be back, because we kind of got called out about it, because somebody, and I wish I could remember who it was, somebody wrote into us saying, basically, uh, oh, what the hell, guys? You know, you got me hooked on Clone Wars, and, uh, and now you, <laughs> you stopped reviewing them. We, we didn't. We just, honestly, we just got kind of busy, and it, it just kind of fell to the back burner. But we are back. And this is episode, what, this was number 13, 13. right? Mm-hmm. Um, of the first season. Yeah. Now, wow. Does this one start out with some absolutely incredible graphics and visuals, the, like those massive burning ships? I love the, the way the ship battles look in an atmosphere. Yeah. You know, like in a blue atmosphere with clouds and stuff rather than in space. Yeah. It adds a different sense to it, and yeah, this one starts out with just a slam bang, mm-hmm. ship, big ships battling it out. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, really I like it. Like this one. I, actually, I I would have liked. Uh, I, I liked the whole episode. Don't get me wrong, but I would have liked it if the whole episode had had just kept the same pace as the opener with with the giant battles and the ships fighting it out and stuff blowing up and because it's it's got some great, like you say, you know, atmospheric, you know, like like old fashioned dog fights, but but in an yeah. atmosphere rather than in space, and that was really cool. I like all that, and then this is the one where. Uh, where Anakin gets hurt as they're escaping from the enemy ship, and they end up crash landing on uh, what I what I have affectionately dubbed Planet Lion King. Yes, and they because they, they because uh, they play that combination African slash Australian music in it, so you know you're on a like, you know. Yeah, well, you know, there's Lion also King. that shot right towards the end of the episode as they're looking. You know, they're, they're trying to decide, all right, we're here, we're crashed, we know that there's there's something lives here, how do we find it? And then there's that shot where they kind of look off to the horizon as the sun is setting or whatever, and I almost expect to hear that guy from the beginning of the Lion, Lion King going, Pennsylvania! You know, that whole thing that he does? Uh, so, you know, when he doesn't do that, I was kind of like, it almost feels... Kind of disappointed. Yeah, because yeah. it does, it looks just like the beginning of Lion King, it's really funny, but... uh you know, and then we've got you know the uh, you know Gandhi the lemur is is refusing to to help them out because they're all. Well, I thought they were all sort of like Scottish Sonic the Hedgehogs because they roll around <laughs> everywhere, that's, that's and they've crazy. all got that brogue. You know, <laughs> it's funny because um, Ayla Sakura has has that sort of French accent, French, yeah. and uh, and so you've got like. French and Irish accents flying around, and then Ahsoka, who's completely like Valley Girl American. It's, it's weird, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's that's very true. Well, then you got the clones are sort of, what are they? They're like a... They got a little Australian and, and then, shrimp on the bobby. And then, uh, oh, what's his name? God, I can't ever remember that guy's name. The The commander who becomes an Imperial later... Yeah, on the on the you know he's got the British you know the very staid British accent. Oh, I can't ever. Yes, Yalaren, Admiral Yalaren. I think that's him. Yeah. So yeah, you got you got all kinds of accents and and you know what there hasn't been yet. I don't think there has there been any like like rednecks because you know like, space rednecks. <laughs> yeah, I mean because we had one in in the original Star Wars. I, I would I would argue that uh, Red Leader. Sounded like he had some cards, <laughs> didn't he? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Well, all of them, all of them, sort of look like good old boys. Yeah. You know, Luke was like Luke was like Bo or Luke Duke. You know, he was like the slim, trim guy. The rest of all those guys look like space truckers rather than you know starfighter pilots. I guess it doesn't matter how much you weigh in space anyway. You know, I didn't, so, as a kid, I didn't remember really identifying accents you know people sounded different to me of course but i I couldn't really place accents it was just somebody that spoke differently than i did right but now i watch star wars whenever i watch the original one and i hear red leader and he does that part where he goes luke take red two and three and wait for my signal to start your run just cracks me up because he can hear the beard cracking in the background yeah right right across the border in alabama or something this cracks me up every time i hear it but uh now did you notice in this one that uh Yes. The part where Anakin, all right, Anakin's been hurt, right? And they've got him on the ship. And there's all that drama and all these things are going on and they're worried that he's not going to make it and everything. 
the, the breathing sounds of the respirator he's on is making the Darth Vader sound. No, I did not notice oh, that. Oh, it was it's I did cool. not notice that. Yeah. It's real it's real faint. You know, they've got it down low in the mix, but it, it's definitely there if you listen for it. I, I got a real I, kick out of that. I noticed on the planet there was sort of a little melodic interlude in the soundtrack that sort of sounded like it quoted from the Princess Leia theme. Which was weird because it didn't really seem to apply in that particular place. Although the music sounded nice, but like bringing up the Princess Leia theme, I mean, I did not catch that. Really... But um, and I also noticed, you know, the the monsters that were the the you know the four legged you know creatures that were attacked Anakin and Rex, and uh-huh. uh, they sort of had the heads of Skeksis. I was from just the Dark gonna Crystal say they Crystal. reminded me of Skeksis. You're right. You're absolutely right. So it's like Skeksis versus Sonic Planet. (laughs) You're right, though. They totally did have the head of Skeksis. That's really Uh funny. Now, is this Uh, one? I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just wonder if that was a little, you know, nod to that. Could easily be. Because, I mean, these episodes, as you watch them and you read things online about them and what, I mean, they're (laughs) chock full of all kinds of little nods and asides, not only to the Star Wars universe itself, but, you know, all kinds of other classic sci-fi, uh, you know, films. Or not even, or just classic films, yeah. even. Now, is this... There's been some Western in, in of late. There's been some references to Westerns and right. such. Is this the first episode where we see one of those commander droids, the ones that have kind of like the Cylon voice? You know what I mean? He's kind of like the... I like that. I like that guy. Yeah, I do, too. I like I like that 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 voice is mildly annoying in a kind of entertaining way and I like how it's like sort of purposely bland you know it's it's got this sort of monotone to it yeah although I thought it was kind of weird that uh, you know I understand especially in these early episodes they seem to be stressing the whole you know uh difference between the separatists and and the republic and isn't or maybe just the jedi is the value of life right uh, and the value of gas release <laughs> but um you know in this one there's a point where you know that that droid you know says okay well you know blow up the ship and uh, one of just you know the the drone droids turns around and is like, but sir, you know, there's hundreds of droids on that ship. And he's like, never mind, blow it up. And it's like, really? Did really the did, did droids really care if you blow up a hundred of them? They don't seem to care if they die by the thousands. I don't, right. uh, you know, it was just there to sort of put the, cause there's a counterpoint where, you know, they keep saying to Ahsoka, you know, look, you can't let thousand people die to save one life. The needs of many outweigh the needs of few. <laughs> I know. I was thinking so, the same thing when she said that. But that that was about as much of a moral in, in this first season of Clone Wars. That was about as far as the moral lesson goes. You know, it was just sort of a little simple thing thrown over an action battle story, and and I and I think this one works. You know, I think it sort of slows down a little bit because it starts out with a huge just bang with a a trip through hypers. Uh, rogue trip through hyperspace it's gonna end in a sun and a crash landing now that and then it sort of slows down the fact that they slingshot around the sun at the end of that sequence shouldn't that propel them back to 1986 to earth right find some humpback whales 
Exactly. They should. They should have done a scene where that you know they they pass the Enterprise coming back with a whale towed behind them, <laughs> and then when they stop the whale from, the whale from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy goes falling by. Maybe it'll be my friend. <laughs> well, you know, you're you're absolutely right about this. One kind of comes to a bit of a screeching halt at the end of it, and it's not so bad in this one but the very next one i remember um really is what would would kind of earn this the nickname of the the space peaceniks episode to me but maybe it was just the fact of one of the comics that we're going to talk about here shortly also had to do with a bunch of, of pussy pacifists not to put too fine a point on it. It really pacifists. kind of pacifists. There you go. It kind of annoyed me. I was like, okay, what is with all these people that don't want to take a side and they don't want to defend their you know, their Well here's whole... here's the thing with these things, and this is this is where I think a cop out happens a lot of time with, with this in it. And I understand why it happens in the context of Clone Wars, but it happens in a lot of these stories. Is you have a pacifist race like these guys. Where, like, we have, you know, a philosophy of pacifism and we haven't, you know, digressed from it ever since the old days when we found our frosted Lucky Charms and (laughs) they were magically delicious. And so, (laughs) so, you know, they have this pacifist thing and they're established as uh, these guys aren't really established on this planet. It sounds like they've moved from another planet because they're pacifists and they probably got driven out or, you know, they, they're moving away from civilization so they can be pacifists. Why don't they ever have the scene where they get wiped out? It always turns into they choose sides. I want to, you know, I think what should be explored is what happens to somebody who has those, you know, who's lived thousands of years under those beliefs and is confronted with this they must have been confronted with violence and war of some sort over the course of their history you know i i would like to see one where where they're maybe they're wiped completely out or maybe you know but but instead it's always sort of a last minute you know they're forced to fight and realize you know sometimes you've got to take sides and stuff I wish if you're going to introduce characters like that, play them out to their logical conclusion. Use use that story as a way to explore what real pacifism. That's what science fiction is all about, you know, taking well, that idea. I think, and to a certain degree, you're you're going to get your wish with one of the comics that we're going to talk about tonight. Ah, uh, yeah, but yeah, it, it, it's never. You know, it never really, although, you know, a lot of the historical stories of pacifists, I don't know, I'm sure there's lots of them that turn out bad, but, you know, like, Gandhi worked it, worked it to his, to his goals somehow, which is interesting, but you also don't really see, you don't see, or you don't see, like, this primitive tribe that, that's pacifist, you don't see them it would be i think it would also be more interesting if they figured out another way to deal with the situation yeah without fighting you know that zen way of using the person's force against them so the people are using their own force against themselves or t- 
turning something on it or using guile and intrigue to somehow get them fight you know using some other force besides violence in order to peacefully conclude it would be a much more interesting and challenging story i don't think that that's the story for a half hour clone wars format that i think that would be an but interesting, i wish that would happen yeah, more i do too that would be an interesting stories. way to go and it would that would be a lot more we'd be a lot more liable to see that than we would to see the droid army come in and just wipe these guys out because, <laughs> just you clean know, them out a, and go. a half hour you know arguably a kid's show on a kid's network so i don't think that that's that's something that uh parents wouldn't flip out about yeah you, I think you it's just like showed all these space leavers get annihilated. You know, and little Johnny's traumatized <laughs> now. Yeah, it's like all of a sudden it turns into a battle scene at Brave, like in Braveheart, and at the end they're drawing and quartering the <laughs> freedom. <laughs> and then he was torn into fifteen pieces and fed to the Skeksis. <laughs> Well, the last note I've got on this one is, did you notice that uh, Yalaren, right after they go into hyperspace, you know, the, the hyperspace accidentally gets uh, gets activated and the, the ship with uh, Anakin and everybody on it zips off and then Yalaren says, uh, plot every course along their last known trajectory, which is pretty close to Vader's line. Right, from, you're right. Uh, from the Empire Strikes Back, so I thought that was pretty cool. That's all I got on this one, but I, I really did enjoy it, despite where it kind of goes with the whole pacifism thing. I'm just not much for pacifists. What can I say? I know. I know. You don't like them touchy-feely stories. Nope. Touchy-feely, pokey I like shit blowing up. That's what I like. Oh, there was some of that, too. It's trying to make everybody happy. I, 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 I'm noting difference in the animation from, like, now that we're into the, you know, now in real, real world time, I'm watching the second series second season of this the series uh-huh. um like some of the backgrounds in this were a little less seemed to be a little less high resolution than they were than they are now but boy it's still it, it's it's got a like the characters have a little more of that cutscene from a video game feel to them right but it's still they it it, it doesn't matter it's you know cutscenes from video games it's bad to compare them to those cuz Cutscenes usually suck. They're clumsy. They're boring. This is never boring. It keeps moving. It's got style and and you know and movement galore all the time. And it and it works its limitations perfectly. I think. Well, I remember as these were episodes were coming out new in the first season. This was the one that I pointed to where I thought that the animation really started to ramp up. With, with this particular episode because that whole oh, opening yeah. sequence is was amazing. Yeah, it's a it step ahead. Amazing. Yeah, it's a step ahead of where they were in say like the Clone Wars feature film that came out. Yeah. You could see where the technology had advanced just, you know, by this thirteenth episode of the se- of the series, I thought. And and it keeps getting better and God, hopefully if this show goes on it, it, I if it keeps getting better and better, that'll be really cool. I predict that the show's going to go five seasons. That, that's my personal prediction. I hope it goes more than that. But in in the tradition of things like Syndication. this on R2 Network and what, yeah. five seasons us- usually is the magic number for these sorts of things. So we'll just Sometimes it's good to sort of, you know, not push it till it jumps the shark. That's true. 
That's anyway. very true. Uh, plus, I think you're you're kind of pushing your credibility limit by that point too, because I don't think the yeah. actual Clone Wars themselves were supposed were to have long. lasted that long. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, which people are already fussing about anyway. So yeah, let them fuss. Yeah, gives me my Clone Wars. <laughs> it sounded like you said, "Give me my Clone Wars." <laughs> Give me some cologne. I stink. <laughs> I smell like a pig. Well, I remember in I remember in middle school. That was a thing is people used to bring in squirt guns full of cologne and squirt people. That's really cruel. That's that could be our, our a movie of our high school memories is <laughs> Cologne Wars. Cologne Wars. Oh, you know what was a, was a trivia question on Jeopardy the other night? It was in the, the highest category. I can't remember if it was in regular Jeopardy or if it was in double Jeopardy. But where, whatever the – what's the highest dollar amount? A thousand? It was either the thousand dollar clue or the two thousand dollar clue. I haven't watched Jeopardy in so long. Oh, I watch it every night, man. I love Jeopardy. But anyway, it was a Hardware Wars question, and nobody got it. I was Uh like, "Oh, it's a gimme! Come on!" You know, I hate when that happens. You know, (laughs) like they can answer. Gimme for you or me? They can run the board if it's like 16th century Shakespearean literature read backwards in Japanese. They can answer every one of those questions. But then they get a geek question that, to me, feels like it's a total gimme, and they none of they all stand all three. What was stand- what was the question? What was what was Hardware Wars? Yeah, basically, was that yeah it was what, basically you know, this film this was parody a, of- yeah this film was a parody of Star Wars done with like kitchen appliances or something to that effect was the that was the answer, and the question was you know what was Hardware Wars? Nobody got it, and I was like oh my, oh. and you know it's funny because like I say they can answer those questions on opera and shakespeare and nuclear physics and all these other questions but if they miss a question like that they're automatically stupid in my opinion it's like you dumbass how can you miss a hardware wars question <laughs> see i have my priorities straight it's a thing yeah exactly speaking of priorities i think we'll be right back and this time i'll get it right if you noticed we did not come back to the star wars comics <laughs> we actually came back to clone wars we're just just check in to see if you'd notice. See, we were just testing you guys. I want the listeners to make note of which of the hosts lies and which one doesn't. <laughs> I tell you the truth. I'm the truth and advertising guy. They just haven't caught you at any of your lies. You have to research your lies <laughs> it's, a lot it's, better. It's like high school all over again. You just didn't catch me lying. Doesn't mean I don't do it. I didn't care if anybody caught me. You're just you're just <laughs> you research your lies a lot better and and. Yeah, you got your shit together more. <laughs> so I'll let the I'll let the fans judge which one of us is more dangerous. But anyway, we'll be back, no lie, with three issues of Marvel Star Wars with a special twist. <laughs> Long ago, in a galaxy far, far away. There exists a state of cosmic civil war. A brave alliance of underground freedom fighters has challenged the tyranny and oppression of the awesome Galactic Empire. This is their story. Stan Lee presents Star Wars, the greatest space fantasy of all. All right, we're back. Wilbur! And it's Star Wars Monthly Monday. The comics, as I promised, the truth teller that I am, 
We are now in... I don't know if it's infamous, but it's just like... It's the post-Empire run of, of Star, Star Wars. So you're going to start seeing some changes happening here and there and up and down in, in, your, in your Marvel Star Wars here. But um, we're going to start out with um, issue number 45 from March of 1981. With uh, now, now tell me if I get these the first names right on these guys because I'm just guessing from my memory. But the covers by Larry Hama and Al is it Al Milgram? Al Milgram, yep, sure is. I, I was right, and um, so so this one's pretty much inside is the same cast of characters. You got Archie Goodwin writing, Carmine Infantino penciling, and uh, Day Stone inking, which is a new. New inker, but um, oh no, this, it's this... Uh, it's Gene Day and uh, and Chick Stone. Oh, oh, okay. So, so Chick okay. Stone, I think, may be new to Star Wars. At the, I can't remember if he's done an issue before. But or not. Gene Day's Day been doing have, a yeah. lot of inking for yeah. for Infantino. Mm -hmm. So this 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 issue is called Death Probe, which brings to mind horrible alien. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't say anal alien probe. It says Death Probe. Yeah, I know. Which is even worse when you think, well, it depends well, on. I don't it know. Depends on who you are and how you feel about that sort of thing. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> so here, here we go. Our first Empire, and of course, we're going to have some Empire Strikes Back elements in our Star Wars comics. So we start out with a Rebel blockade runner. Its crew is completely wiped out by a probe droid, but this is no ordinary probe droid. It's a hunter probe droid, a nasty probe droid that uh that pierces the skin of a ship and just goes through and wipes everybody out it's the in invention of the evil imperial general damon krell it's krell technology so the blockade runner uh shows up in in rebel space and and blasts luke and r2 who are in an x-wing just sort of flying around like trying out Luke's new hand and seeing how he's recovering from being you know having the shit kicked out of him by Darth Vader <laughs> so of course you know just on a routine flight they're blasted out into space and of course they survive they're just sort of floating through space and and Luke in deciding that he didn't really like how his um lightsaber propelled him through space last time uses his blaster this time to propel him and he and r2 through space to the blockade runner where r2 magnetically hooks to the outside of the hull and they they find a hole in the ship where the the droid went and they get inside so inside they they find the ship eerily empty but the ship itself begins to try to kill them and its machinery just attacks them, just sort of like that Stephen King movie. Uh, um, what was it? Uh, Maximum Overdrive. Yeah. So <laughs> they find. Oh, that uh, would be cool if this Green Goblin. I mean, yeah. If the, yeah, I just ruined my own joke. If this probot had a Green Goblin. Green Goblin on the front of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that truck in Maximum Overdrive. Exactly. That'd be sweet. Have some. Hey, it's Marvel Comics. The they background. could do it. Yeah, that's right. So so they find out the ship is under control by the probe droid and is uh planning to go and blow up in the or blow up in the middle of the rebel fleet or somehow destroy the rebel fleet. So yeah, the ship's uh it's programmed to self-destruct, you know. 
if the probe droid is somehow tampered with or destroyed, the, the ship will just self-destruct, which puts Luke and R2 into a sort of a quandary. So, um, you know, while they're, while they're figuring all this out, you know, uh, the, the probe droid takes the opportunity to blow up a panel near Luke, which, which knocks him out cold. And, uh, oddly, uh, on a Star Destroyer, Krell is watching remotely, and, uh, he sees that the, um, that the blockade runner has turned around from going towards the rebels and is all of a sudden heading in the opposite direction. And this is sort of brought it to the attention of the rebels who are sort of attacking it and chasing after it. So he finds out that when Luke was basically, I, I guess he was talking to R2, but and talking to himself just sort of blathered out that he's the guy who blew up the Death Star and I'm Luke Skywalker. This can't happen to me. I'm Luke Skywalker. Don't they know who I am? These stupid machines. And the ship noted that and had orders from Darth Vader himself, who had programmed the secret probe droid, to, uh, once Luke Skywalker was captured, to turn around and head, head home with its captive. So it, it completely has scuttled its, its past orders. So, um, you know, Luke figures out this is going on, and the ship is about to go into hyperspace. And so... In in a you know master stroke of of strategy, Luke, who somehow just mysteriously is conscious again, who is knocked out cold, <laughs> but now is somehow up and running again, somehow talk saying something about how the power of the force is keeping him keeping him awake, um, gets this great plan where he fucks fucks up the the probe droid just before it goes into hyperspace, and then. He and R2 escape in an escape pod. So when the ship comes out of hyperspace, you know, right in front of Krell's ship, it immediately explodes, taking out the Imperials. So once again, the, the rebels, using Zen's strategy, have, have won the day, and we've managed to have a story, which is going to be in a long line of stories without Han Solo, that doesn't fuck up continuity <laughs> thus begins the intricate tap dance of post empire pre jedi star wars comics yes. it's it's really funny that these comics really didn't sort of get freed from their shackles till after jedi and it's funny to me that ways. that you're you know you're right to a to a degree yeah, it's these stories that I like best. The the stories, and not not as not this particular I do too. issue, but yeah. after after you know, with forty nine is really when the game changes. We we have a few episodes yet to wade through, or excuse me, a few issues yet to wade through before we get to forty nine. And there's some real hit and miss stuff that's going to happen in that period. But forty nine is when it just that's when it gets awesome. When I, whenever I think of, you know, Marvel star Wars and the, in the issues I like best, th that's in that era. We're coming into a little transitional time here yes. where they're experimenting with different people are, are going to start showing up. You know, this, the cover by, uh, you know, a completely, I, I like the cover on this. You can totally see the Larry Hama. Yeah. Style to it. It reminds and, me and somehow sort of, of uh, 
of the sequence in 2001 where Dave has to go in and take Hal apart. I guess just with the the way it's it's colored and the look yes. of the engine room type of thing, yes. it, it really does. Uh, I wouldn't say this is the greatest Infantino art. And you can definitely tell the 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 parts that weren't that were uh, what was what was the other guy's name Stone the yeah. other inker, you could definitely tell the parts where Stone inked it right. He had he has a different style than Gene Day, and uh, I don't know the art isn't bad. Once again, the ships are really nice in this, and uh, I love the last you know the last page with the Star Destroyer blowing up. That's a great yeah. Great picture of a Star Destroyer blowing up. Luke's still got a touch of, like, He-Man or, or Thundar the Barbarian yeah. or something about him, though. I... Yeah, but that that sort of seems to be just sort of uh, an artifact of, <laughs> of Carmine Infantino. See, I love you know, Carmine he... Infantino, but this is one of those... I think this is a perfect example of that you-can't-go-home-again thing. Because after the Empire adaptation, and then we go back to this, this art style for Star Wars, it suddenly feels, I don't know, I don't know what the term would be. It's like old school. Like, the, oh, this is the old Star Wars. This is like the pre-Empire. Yeah, maybe a Star step War. backwards. Yeah, and, it does. And after Al Williamson. Yeah. Well, you know what my favorite part of this comic is, art-wise, is the the... Sum, summation of Empire. Yeah. One page flashback of Empire with, you know, Luke talking to Yoda and fighting Vader and falling and falling towards the Millennium Falcon. It's, I, I really like that because it's neat to see how Infantino would have approached those scenes. And I, you can tell there was maybe a little bit more time and love spent on that page than the rest of the comic, you know? It's two- got a lot of de- it's heavily detailed. It's beautiful. Yeah, it is. The two panels I like the best is the one in the upper right corner because it's done just like in the adaptation where you don't see Luke's hand act- actually coming off. That that bar is yeah. in the way just like uh Williamson did it in the adaptation. And then the other one is right beneath it where you see Luke falling and you actually see like his stump right there yeah it's like ooh, that's <laughs> gross you know yeah I, I thought that was really cool oh man i've got a ton of notes for this one um first off something we totally forgot to mention last time around um in the upper left hand corner of the covers starting with issue 39 the picture changed it used to be Luke looking very much like we say, right. you know, Thundar the Barbarian, Luke with his lightsaber. And it changed to this picture that's on number 45 of uh, R2 and 3PO. And this would be the way that it would be all the way up to uh, issue long time. 81, I believe. Yeah. Um, with the exception, the sole exception was uh, issue 50, which didn't even have one of these because that was a special issue. So it didn't have that little corner box. But yeah, that would that would be on there for uh, for quite a long time. And uh, all right, right off the bat for nitpicks, and I, I think you had the same one. Why weren't Luke and R two just outright killed when Luke's X wings? <laughs> That's usually what happens when those X wings blow up, yeah. right? Usually they're and 
And I mean, Luke's floating around in space in just his jumpsuit with like the corners of his mouth or, you know, parts of his head are exposed to open space. Yeah. I mean, what's, how, how's that working? Now, my understanding is that I can't remember where in the world I read this. So I don't know they if have it's a little canon force or not. Field or something. Well, they are supposed to seal up. I mean, that that is supposed to be the whole point of those flight suits that the rebel guys wear is that they do seal up in the case of like a like a breach or something so that they're uh-huh. not just exposed to the vacuum. But the way the Infantino's showing it here, it wouldn't work because like you say, there's areas of like his cheeks. A, uh, he's just wearing a mask over his mouth. Yeah. You know, like in case of you know, a plane crashing, you know, breathe through here. Yeah. So that yeah, his cheeks work. would have, his cheeks would have turned solid and like cracked, frozen solid and <laughs> cracked as soon as he moved his head. Yeah. To talk except or scream actually, cause he would have been in searing agony. I mean, I was thinking a lot about this as I read this and I'm thinking, I guess there is a little bit of precedence out there for, but see, the thing is, I don't know if they lived or if it was just bodies. But like in The Empire Strikes Back, we saw that TIE fighter hit an asteroid and we saw the, t- the pilot tumble out of it. But I always assumed that guy was dead. Dead, yeah. <laughs> and then in um, episode three, at the very beginning in the in the big fight sequence, there's that one arc fighter that blows up and you can see the bodies fly by. I, I, yeah. it's either It's either uh, Obi-Wan or Anakin that flies past him. But again, I thought those guys were dead. So even even with they the... They look dead. Yeah, they, <laughs> they really do. And even granting that Luke survived, wouldn't R2... I mean, R2's a piece of the ship, essentially. Right. So, yeah, I, that was really kind of hokey. Although... They should have been like, at the last second, Luke ejected and used the Force to, you know, ejected R2 using the Force he ejected before. Right. Anticipating, you know, the bolts that were going to destroy him or something like that. And that would totally work with the, I mean, there's room for that in the narration area, you know, where they could say, you know, you know, he, like you say, you know, the the Force acts almost like a spidey sense to where he knows that it's time to eject or whatever. So, yeah, they. That's a Skywalker straight seen into the future yeah but i like what it availed us you know we get them floating around for a little while but then we get that great sequence of r2 magnetizing to the hull which we yeah we would eventually see in phantom menace he could actually do that you know sort of like yeah. uh like vincent from the black hole you know he could magnetize himself to the hull to the hull and roll around out there i think that's neat although from the prequels and the clone wars cartoon you know, R2 is, is like, flying around like crazy with his rocket jets, and you sort of miss him in here. <laughs> oh, that's true. You, know, you wonder you wonder at what, maybe at some point somebody removed them because they're like, hey, those astromechs aren't supposed to have those. That's not supposed to be on there or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it would have come in handy. It would, yeah, it would have definitely come in handy in a lot, and especially in this episode, issue to fly towards the, you know, possessed blockade runner. Right. But would uh, get, would him? I'm glad they didn't use the lightsaber propulsion gag twice. That's well, all. Well, that, I think he used the lightsaber only to slow down in that one. But I agree with oh, you. Oh, you're that, right. You're right. That didn't work. But would this work? Would would shooting your blaster in yeah, well, space? Yeah. What, what actually... is it pushing against? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I it's don't, light. I don't know that that would. You're work. You're being propelled by light. 
you I uh, you may be propelled by light a little bit, but just a little not like <laughs> whoosh, flying the the let's face it, probably hundreds of miles <laughs> to the to the ship. Right. It, it you know, it, in realistic space terms with that kind of fighting if you got blasted out into space, you would probably have a hard time looking all around you and actually vis- visually spotting a ship that size even. You know, it would be hundreds of miles away off in some direction. It would be a pinprick. That's an excellent point. Yeah, I never thought about that. You're absolutely right at the but, speeds you know, that they're supposed to be moving at. You wouldn't stuff. also see the fiery explosions or hear the noises or all that. So, <laughs> you know, whatever. I'm not going to... I'm not going to call him on that sort of on, on all the physics of space in the in these because otherwise. Well, I've got something I've got to call them on for this, and this is really the the big burning question for this issue. Where exactly did Luke get another lightsaber from? Oh yeah, he just sort of has one. He just sort of turns up with one, doesn't he? You're he, right. He does. I didn't even think of that. He does. And I wonder if we were supposed to think about that because I can't remember if there's ever an explanation given for where he gets it. I'm hoping there is. I really do. But see, again, I'm trying to remember my collecting history with this. I don't think, I think a lot of these issues, I think pre issue 50, I think a lot of these issues in this era, I had to track down his back issues. So by the time you get to issues like 49 and 50, he already had a lightsaber. And I don't know that I really questioned it as let, a kid. Let, I guess I just let, assumed that somewhere in the in the issues I was... Let postulate this. Uh-huh. Oh, no, never mind. It wouldn't work. I was going to say, this could have been written while they were working on Empire, and they only... Archie Goodwin only knew so much about, like, what they were doing for Empire, so he might only known about the probe droid, and said, "Okay, I know I can," but that's that's not true because they know all the story because they show the picture of Luke getting his hand cut off, and yeah, so so the they show his lightsaber tumbling into the abyss <laughs> in this right. actual episode or issue, you know, so. I'm hoping yeah, there's an explanation you're, you're right. later. I, I kind of wonder if maybe, maybe they... Maybe they just said, ah, he just built another one. I'm wondering if they assume that when he tumbled down the same shaft... That he just that grabbed, he grabbed it, it. it. yeah, And, like, stuffed it down his pants and <laughs> said, you know, whatever. You know, I, or, you know, maybe they, you know, maybe they sell, you know, uh, hey, there's $50 for a kid on eBay, you know. <laughs> now, I noticed... Space eBay. I noticed also in this that um, lightsaber is spelled both ways in the same issue, both by, you know, by Luke saying it or thinking it. So sometimes it's spelled S-A-B-E-R and sometimes it's spelled S-A-B-R-E. Now, for some reason, the S-A-B-R-E really drives uh, Josh Bertone nuts on his show, the Marvel Star Wars show. I don't know why. Personally, I always assumed that was that seems to be the one that gets used a, yeah. a lot. That was sort of back in the Star Wars days. That was what that was the spelling that it it got because it gives it an old timey feel to it. Right. You know, it's the one I prefer myself. And uh, but I think in modern days, it's er is more right. 
Yeah, like I don't start a nerd war over it. <laughs> I don't see the uh, the S A B R E one used much anymore. And to me, that one always feels wrong when I see it as B E R because I just you know, like you say, that was how it was in the old days and the original. Yeah. Probably largely based on these comics, I would imagine. But I I need to go back and look at the original novel. You know the. Uh, I was going to say novelization, but it's not really a novelization. It's just the novel to the first movie and see how it's spelled in that because I can't remember now. Now, on page 22, first panel, Luke totally looks like a girl. Page 22, you say? 22, yeah. 22. First panel. He's standing there with his hand on his chin. And he looks like a girl. A fairly butchy girl, but yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't say he, he was looks a... like um, he looks like uh, what's her name, the pirate girl. If you put the red oh, hair on yeah, him. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Jolly. Yeah, you're Jolly. right. Oh my god, that's creepy. Yeah, if Hot and Solo was around and just came around the corner, he might start making out with him before he knew what was going on. <laughs> really confusing things. Well, then uh, this is another one where Luke's lightsaber looks like a metal sword, yes. like a serrated, like a serrated Ginsu knife. Sometimes, well, that cuts through everything. That panel you're you're probably looking at that third panel. That and bugged the one me a little right bit. under it in the corner. Look at look at it down there. It oh looks yeah, like something out of a sword and sorcery. Look at the hasp on it and the. Yeah, you're right. Frakow, it says, but yeah, you're right. Well, that third panel kind of bugged me a little bit because this is the one. Now, granted, this does end up playing into the whole plot of the issue. Yeah. But it's the one where he's he's taking his lightsaber, and he's just like cutting stuff up. He's he's almost looks like he's having a hissy fit, and he's saying, "This can't stop me. Nothing's going to stop me. I'm Luke Skywalker, destroyer of the Death Star." The one who dueled Darth Vader and lived to tell about it. And I'm thinking, now, wait a minute. Didn't you get your ass kicked in that duel there? Uh, <laughs> nothing's going to stop me, guy. Well, he did. But also, this is post his training with Yoda. Yeah. He I mean, knows he's been about humbled. anger and pride at this point and those he's, being paths to the dark side. So he's he's been he was seriously humbled at the end of Empire, too. He should be humbled and traumatized at this point maybe he's freaking out because he's traumatized but i think it's just a plot element and really i mean really what kind of fucking crazy person says that stuff all alone in a room slinging their lightsaber around i'm luke skywalker destroyer of the death star you know (laughs) i mean that's the i i would understand it as a thought balloon you know right well, my last thing well, for this one is I noticed on uh, on the letters page that one of the guys that wrote in here was talking about how Part 9 would be due out in 2001. And I was like, is that right? And then I got to thinking that, uh, yeah, you know, if, if you plotted these things out, if they had kept going, and I think originally how it was supposed to be is that the next trilogy we would get would be the the prequel trilogy. I think that's what Lucas announced. And that would be with a movie. Yeah, he not, was going to do one through three and then seven through nine. And then nine. seven through nine. So it'd be, you would have uh, episode one in 86, and then episode two in 89, and then episode three in 92. 
And then that would put seven through nine. So you'd have seven in 95, eight in so 98. To see what, yeah. What that would have been like. Yeah. Can you imagine? So much we, different. Should, we should actually be living in a time when all nine movies are behind us rather than, you know, yeah. where we're at. It's 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 pretty weird to think about. I, I wonder what the uh, the prequels would have been had I they. I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah, me too. Me too. I think they would have been closer in feel and in tone. To oh the, well, they, yeah. Of course they would have been. They would have been, you know, separated by the same length of time. So they would have evolved. You know, he would have had to play within limitate more limitations on it, so it probably would have been more interesting. Right. Which we'll is we'll never know. No, we will, but it's fun to think about. I, that's one of the things I like reading the letters pages in these and, and seeing what the speculations were and what people were th- were thinking and the the fan mentality of the time. But now we go on to issue 46. 46. Oh, my goodness. We're going to have fun with this one, I think. A living nightmare stalks the universe. Empire and rebel forces alike. Helpless prey of the dreadnought devourer. Now, this 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 <laughs> issue has a cover by uh, Hannigan and, and what's it, Tom Palmer. Yep. And uh, it's April of 1981. Now, this, just a little side note, I see this one on eBay all over the place. This must be, they must have printed a goddamn zillion of these. So inside we've got, oddly enough, sounds like a fake name to me. I don't know. Maybe you know different. Molly I know Lombago. the whole story on this. Yes. All right. We'll you want save it now? It after, okay. All right. We'll save, save it, it till afterwards. afterwards. Wally Lumbago is the writer. Carmine Infantino artist, Tom Palmer, inker. You're um, doing that just to taunt Biblio Mike, aren't you? I, I, I'm doing it because I'm drinking Ripid Energy Drink. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Do you think I'm I'm, I'm purposely I, – I, I can't just belch like you, man. You used to do the old belch talking and stuff. I only belch yeah, when yeah, I legitimately – Yeah, I'm paying for it in my have, old age because now my stomach's all tore up to pieces. Yep. So, yeah. That's what you get. God damn it. <laughs> I'm just glad that my face didn't stay that way. My mother told me that too, and thankfully that one didn't prove to be true. Now I can't remember. I was starting to say something there, my, but we got sidetracked by my belch. <laughs> Dag nabbit. Well, I'll just tell you what happens. And you were saying the credits. You you said the writer. You said the artist. And I think you were about to say the inker was uh, Tom Palmer, the golf Tom great. Palmer. Yeah. The, the head of Tom Palmer. It's the dreams of Cody's son child. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. So we pick up the story in another fresh post-Empire of with Lando and Chewie and the Falcon off to go find their carbonated buddy Han. Suddenly, uh, their warp drive just kicks out and they crash land on this weird domed floating city in the middle of this shiny psychedelic space area. They, they, they get out of the Falcon and they're outside the dome city and they start heading towards the city, but are 
attacked by a fang bat-faced biped creature and this creature is suddenly subdued by his quote-unquote brother a similar clothed creature who then sort of absorbs him back into himself while talking in weird yoda speak lando recognizes him as cody's son child a rebel hero from from the past um but cody says yeah that's me but those days are long past and this may sound familiar from the Clone Wars, but I'm I'm living a peaceful life now. And and he he <laughs> says, "Come on, we'll go to the. I'll show you the city, my city." So uh, child tells him that the city is a peaceful place. It exists in another dimension, parallel to the the regular dimension. Uh, there they meet Ansible Billiard, another warrior from the same time period who disappeared about a decade ago at the same time as Child did. And Lando? Lando wants answers, damn it! Meanwhile, Captain Plick, an Imperial general, is sniffing at the at the little hole the, fal- the Falcon made when it entered the parallel dimension and going, hmm, you know, we're in a boring sort of part of space and nothing goes on here. This might be something that can, you know, get me some attention in the Empire. So, meanwhile, back in the Dome City, Child, Child explains that uh, in a battle, he, he fell through... A hole in the earth and met this subterranean race and fell into their fire and survived and uh, their fire god gave him super godlike psychic powers and uh, so he I mean powers of such that he created this dimension and the city with his mind and brought himself and a bunch of other like-minded warriors to live here and to swear off war and violence. So Lando's sort of bitching him out for being a wimp and not deciding to take sides when the Imperials... Does this sound familiar at all? When the Imperials bust into the dimension and start blasting the city. Well, Lando, who, who has been goading Child on, gets him to actually sort of flip out when they attack his city and child just unleashes the you know these giant demon creatures which just just completely start disabling and destroying the imperials but before he destroys them he stops and you know what am i doing and recalls the demons back and this is not my way and um and meanwhile you know lando and chewie have taken off in the falcon to escape and or fight the imperials and, you know, Lando, sort of rolling his eyes, sees Child recall his demons, and he's just like, Jesus Christ, what a fucking wimp. And, uh... <laughs> yeah. So, so meanwhile, you know, the, the Imperials have, you know, pretty much wiped, you know, just completely pulverized and wiped out Child's city you know and assuming you know just completely annihilated which makes Lando cry and uh, the Imperials are hoping that Lando will blow them up and at least not leave them trapped in the dimension but the Falcon leaves leaving the Imperials trapped there to just sort of float and stew in their own juices moral of this story don't be a fucking wimp Or you get blown up by the Imperials. So there you go. That that I guess that answers my question. 
<laughs> from the from the Clone Wars. Now, I guess now I that, got what I wanted. That moral leads directly into the Wally Lombago story. Wally Lombago. Now, Wally Lombago. It doesn't that sense a great name if you were a drunk at a bar? Hello, my name is Wally Lombago. <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry. I don't even know where to start with this issue. Because, you know, the art in this one is really, really good. I mean, yeah. it's, it's very nice art. I love how Chewbacca looks because yeah. for a change, Chewie looks really good. He actually he gets to meet up with another Wookiee, which is actually kind of touching. So there are moments in this issue that are really good and some some really interesting things happen. But, but and it's, it's and it's cool that he would meet another Wookiee because, well, the, actually, doesn't he? Does he create the other Wookiee? No, the the other Wookiees there, and the, and that would make sense because the Wookiees are like a warrior race, right? So it would conceivably, yeah. Sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt there. No, no, you didn't interrupt. I'm, I'm, I was actually vamping while I was looking up because I just suddenly blanked on the name, on the artist, on the, uh, excuse me, on the writer's real name, and I, I had to look it up real quick here. Wally Lombago? Okay, that's what I thought. The, the real writer, the writer's real name on this issue is J.M. DeMatteis was actually a really really good comic book writer however this story not so much but the <laughs> reason that it goes by why he goes by the name of wally lambago and in, in this issue was that he didn't want his name on this issue because <laughs> it's not that bad no it's not the it, well he, the thing is is that he basically wrote a pacifism story because i guess this is kind of his thing and there, there's a really great article about this. If you guys can track down Back Issue Magazine, issue number nine, there's a story in there called uh, How to Do Star Wars the Marvel Way. That's basically an overview of the entire Marvel Star Wars series from start to finish. And they really go in depth about the story of this particular issue and the story with J.M. DeMatteis. And, and the story goes that he wrote the issue and he was writing it as basically an anti-war story. And Lucasfilm got a hold of it and said, um, now wait a minute, this is what our movies are pretty much about. And they changed the end of his story to where it, it ends with, uh, I guess this is the part that he really objected to, is where Lando says, uh, Chewie, I know he really believed that if he allowed his violent nature free reign, he'd be lost forever. So he created a dream city where he could live in peace. But he was wrong. Lofty ideals alone just aren't enough when dealing with the Empire, as he found out. And this was the part that I guess pissed Jam Dimiteus. It's just... This, the it reminds me, you know, it would really piss me off if someone took my whole thesis like that and just sort of put a little addendum on it saying, you know what, here's just the opposite of it. Like, at Blade, in the end of Blade Runner where they said, you know what, this replicant actually doesn't have a expiration date on it. Right. You know, and just sort of tagged it on the end. Yeah, that would piss me off too. I guess I would be Wally Lumbago too. The problem is, though, is I, I I don't know that the story would be any better with the other ending. To I I guess I I would like to to see it or, or be able to read exactly what 
his story would have been. But I think ultimately the problem with it is that the first thought I had when I walked away from this issue was that, wow, you know, this, this feels like one of those issues of Marvel Star Trek that we complain, you know, that I complained about when I read them for Star Trek Monthly Monday, like the one with like the gnomes and the well, crazy the stuff like that. Well, the aliens looked like the, you know, the old gold key Star Trek aliens, yeah. you know. Well, that then, you know, when I had that thought about how this felt like one of those Star Treks, then that's when I hit upon the fact that's what bugs me about this. This isn't really a Star Wars story. This is really more of a Star Trek story. It really is because you've got, well, for one thing, right on the first page, they, they call the engines the, the warp engines, which, you know, the Falcon does not have warp engines. I don't think they have warp engines in Star Wars at all, do right, they? Right, right. But then also, they go into this other dimension, which, again, do they ever do that in Star Wars? I don't think they have other dimensions that they travel to. They've got this floating city that very, very, very much looks like Argo City from, you know, where Supergirl comes from. The, you know, the floating, you know, rock with a dome city underneath it. And then on page, what is it, page 12... He explains, because Lando says something about, oh, here it is. Sunchild explains that they, even though they live in this other dimension and they're all detached from the goings-on of the galaxy, they kind of keep an eye on things by listening to, like, imperial transmissions. And so basically they're listening to, you know, the local radio station to keep up abreast of what's going on in the yeah. real universe. And Lando says, well, aren't you afraid that, you know, your power emanations could be traced or something? And he says, oh, no problem with that. You know, everything here is constructed of psychic energy. And I'm like, what? Give me a give me a break. I mean, that's really I mean, th- that doesn't fit with Star Wars at all, does it? I mean, so this guy's. He, he's basically saying and I think he does actually come right out and say later on in this. Yeah. When he's telling his origin story about falling into the mystic flame and all that, <laughs> right? that he became a godlike being. And so he created this entire peacenik city from whole cloth out of his own mind. I mean, this just is so far from star Wars to me that it, it's not even funny. I mean, there's elements of it that I, I like as far as art. There's there's little character moments between Lando and Chewie that I like. There's moments with Chewie himself and dealing with one of his brother Wookiees and stuff that I like. But but that's about it. Well, I like that they've got the character of Lando to play with and expound on yeah. now. He's, yeah. he's, he's not just a stand-in for Han Solo. He's a different character with different motivations in Han Solo. So... He and Chewie have a different dynamic about him, you know. So it's, it's interesting, you know. Yeah. So that that's kind of cool, but yeah, I agree with you. It's a it's a Star Trek story. It's a speculative science fiction story, not a you know action propulsive plot story. Now, something that I want to get out of the way right as we're getting into this era of between the empire strikes back and return of the Jedi, because I I know that this could come up. So I figure we we should discuss it right here is did it ever bug you this whole storyline that we get into? I mean, this becomes pretty much at least for Lando and Chewbacca, what this whole era and this whole three year arc will become about is the search for Han Solo did it ever bug you that 
it doesn't seem to me like Empire leaves much of a mystery as far as why is there even a search for Han Solo? Don't they pretty much know that Boba yeah. Fett is taking Han straight to Jabba to the Hutt? Yeah, so I, although I really enjoy many, many of the stories that come out of the search for Han Solo, ultimately, why was there a search at all? I, I That I never understood. Did, did that ever bug you at all? Well, they had three years to burn. Yeah, I, I guess that's, it's just that's the only reason they could, you know, they, they were sort of stuck because when you see Jedi, you really get the impression, even though Luke has matured a lot by Jedi and he's in his black suit and he seems to be more disciplined, you get the real idea that pretty much after Empire, they mobilized a plan to infiltrate Jabba's palace. Right. right. And, you know, Han might have been sitting there for maybe a month or two. I, if I remember but properly, not for very long before yeah. before they started showing up and positioning themselves to rescue him. Why? Why? Because why would you dick around? Because the longer you took to do it, the larger chance that you know Jabba would get drunk and decide to feed him to the Sarlacc or something. I'd have to look this up to be absolutely sure, and this may have changed as the EU has expanded over the years, right. like with things with like Shadows of the Empire and such. But if I remember properly, at the time that Return of the Jedi came out, the official story was that it was like, I want to say like either three, three months or six or months, months after okay, um, yeah. The Empire Strikes Back. Sense. So really, like you said, they didn't dick around. There was very little time passed. It was basically enough time for for Lando. Immediately after Empire, Lando and Chewie were going off, and they probably went to tattooing. Right, and Lando got himself a job somewhere and worked himself way his way into uh, Jabba's his, palace. Uh, Jabba's palace, you yeah. know, and and they slowly just uh, while Luke recovered and planned how to get the rest of them all into place. To he went back to Kenobi's to place to build his new lightsaber, according to the to the novelization. Which all right. Now that you think about it, I don't know how much of the novelization could actually be considered now with, with there being that great right. big thing they retconned I'll with. I have to read those again. With uh, Yeah, I, I need to do that too with uh, uh, Owen Lars being Kenobi's brother. Right, and right. ended up retconning that later on. But uh, but still, I mean, just going strictly with that. But yeah, I, I'd love to know that, you know, the original designation of how much time passed versus how much time is supposedly passed today because I bet you they've expanded it over the years because there's been so many stories in that interim not not just this Marvel Star Wars stuff but you know stuff from Dark Horse star, stuff from uh, Shadows of the Empire and different stories I bet I'll, I'll almost be willing to bet that 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 stretch of time has been expanded over the years mm-hmm. to where it's mm-hmm. more than just three or six months but still but uh but yeah, that's I mean that's not to knock any of this stuff cuz I really like where this goes shortly after this issue. But yeah, that that whole thing with the search for Han, I, I can remember as a kid as much as I was digging the stories just looking at it and going, I don't understand why why you guys are even searching. You I mean Luke even says, "I'll meet you on Tatooine." So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't really get what what the mystery was, but anyway, moving along here now for the first time in quite a few issues, we have some Chewbacca dialogue. Yes. And we get some really good ones here. We've got 
Yark. <laughs> H2. Got Yark. <laughs> There's one that starts with a V. Those are hard to do. Rar. It's Rar with a V at the beginning of it. What the fuck? <laughs> I like Groot. Because I, I think Groot was actually a Marvel character, wasn't he? He was like yeah. a big tree guy or something from like Tales to Astonish or something. There's some great ones. There's when, when some of these creatures attack, uh, like his evil id creatures attack Chewie, they come through the glass and go, K-Rash! <laughs> and then, and then Sunchild makes, gets sort of like bumped and makes annoyed Blumpf. <laughs> Blumpf. Where, Which, where is that at? That's on page 18. Oh, 18. Okay, you're further ahead Bumpf. than I am. Oh, here's a good one with Chewie. On page 10, he's got like a he, he spots the other uh, Wookiee in the in the audience there. And he oh, says, yes. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got that smi- sly little look on his face. That's an excellent Chewie, though. Chewie looks it awesome. Is. Yeah. This, this, that's, I think this that's issue. the best he's looked since, like, what was that issue in the early days oh. with Palmer, like number nine or something? Let, let, me, let me also mention that Captain Plick is a hot chick. Yes, she is. She has. She almost looks like uh, evil Princess Leia in the first shot, but then you see her hair isn't isn't rolled up in the balls like it looks like. It's just sort of that '80s <laughs> Farrah Fawcett feather going on. I think. But, I think my very favorite panel in the whole book, though, is uh, is the last panel on page 15, where Lando is literally pimp slapping Sat Child. I love that. I love that. He should be given in the back of the hand, but it's still pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. No, stop! You don't know what you're doing. <laughs> now, speaking- and he's got that old Marvel. He's got that old Marvel and and gold key Star Trek belt that every alien with the giant buckle that every alien's got. <laughs> well, speaking of him and his, you know Sun Child and his clothes, I, I was as I was reading this, I was <laughs> thinking to myself. Does Count Nefaria know that this dude is wearing his clothes? Because yeah, he's I know. Totally it's like got a, Count Nefaria's outfit. You know, come on, it's comic books. You can draw different outfits. It's not like a show where you just like, <laughs> where you just like raid the the prop department and the the costume department. And I also like where the Millennium Falcon on page twenty six. Well, a I like when Sunchild's like concentrating and he's just, the sweat's just dripping off his head like a glazed donut <laughs> and then the Millennium Falcon bounces off a Star Destroyer with the sound wazang, wazang yeah. <laughs> like a frisbee getting bounced off something. oh I love that you and said the next that shot, he looks like he's like a little kid about to get like punished or something he's just like <laughs> and then in the, the final panel on that page he's the watcher <laughs> so yeah, WTF. Dude. I love your your uh, thing about the the Falcon being like a frisbee because I had the same note. But what I what I wrote was, did the Millennium Falcon really just twang off that Star Destroyer like Captain America's shield? Because that really is what it looks like. It's yeah. just going wazang off the side of it. And on the next page, there's a sly reference to the Odd Couple when Chewie says, "Unger." <laughs> Right before he says grung. Grung. <laughs> but anyway, that's about all I got for this episode. This is just getting silly now. It is getting Blavoom. But uh, we got uh, Crying Lando. I, I wanted to reemphasize yeah. Crying he's Lando. Crying like, he's crying page. like the Native American watching garbage get thrown out of cars. 
He's even got his little lip his pooched out and everything. He's just like... <laughs> now, uh, Not just a single tear. It's like right out of both eyes. Oh, it's really he's flowing. It like, like he just lost a puppy or something. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's really blatting in that one. Now, uh, in the letter column, I noticed that uh, somebody was commenting about issue 38, which was the Michael Golden and Terry Austin art issue, and asking for more Golden, please. And they even... Kind of, they kind of sort of half ass promised that, and that uh, sadly never does come to pass. And then here, um, I, I got to read you this. There was a, a, a letter here, and it wraps up with uh, the guy saying, Then I remembered something an old friend of mine once told me Adventure, humph, excitement, a Jedi craves not these, not these things. Then I thought, Ah, but we do, just as we crave beauty and flights that take us to worlds we've never seen, realms we've never experienced. The Star Wars saga will continue. In a larger sense, it can never end, because imagination has no end. With great hope and knowledge that you won't let us down, and the guy signed his name and everything. And I got to thinking, damn, does that sound familiar to me? Where was I? Oh, yes, as an old friend of mine once told me. Hmm. Adventure. Ah. Excitement. A Jedi craves not these things. Ah, but we do. Just as we crave beauty and flights that take us to worlds we've never seen, realms we've never experienced, the Star Wars saga will continue. In the largest sense, it can never end, because imagination has no end. It's Mark Hamill's closing to SPFX, The Empire Strikes Back. It's the whole damn speech that Mark Hamill gives at the end of that. And this friggin' guy wrote it into his letter like he, like he made it up and they didn't call him on it. Well, you know, it's funny because I remember, like, I and I've got them, actually. Uh, the Butterfly was the name. Every high school had it, their yearly poetry and, like, student writing book they would publish. Uh-huh. And I have some from the 70s from when we were just like in elementary school. And um, <laughs> half the songs on them are like Led Zeppelin and Queen, you know, <laughs> that people just took these lyrics from these uh, More Than a Feeling by Boston and just hey, and the teachers are like, hey, this is pretty good. It goes into the butterfly. <laughs> Jeez. So there you go. <laughs> so good. Hey, good eye, man. Good eye. I knew it sounded familiar because I must have watched that or, or listened to that a million times because that was one of those things we taped off the television, like tape recorded yep. off the television. So I I knew that speech sounded familiar. So moving right along, we got moving Star right Wars along. 47, and you uh, yep. you had something you were going to play for this, right? Well, it's the May, May 1981. Um, I don't know. It doesn't say who did the cover. It looks almost kind of Walt Simonson-y. Nope, In I'm going to blow ways. your mind. You know who this is? Blow my is? mind, man. Who is it? I'm going to blow your mind. It is none other than Frank Miller. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yep, and James Sherman. And you know what? I love this cover because with the wonky-looking creatures in there, because they don't look like droids to me. They actually look like creatures. Yeah, they're Frank Miller creatures. It's obvious yeah. now. And the way that they're colored, you know what they remind me of? You remember the, like the last wave 
of Micronauts guys yep. that started to come out that look like the bug guys. That's totally yeah. what it looks like R2 and 3PO are being chased by. Yeah. The by the, it looks like they're being chased by the Micronauts. It's great. I love it. Awesome. So inside we've got some of the usual um, usual cast and crew, Archie Goodwin, Carmen Infantino, and Gene Day. But this time you won't be listening to my annoying little summation of it. <laughs> this episode was actually adapted into a record book and record set and we'll let them uh take it from here this is the story of droid world you can read along with me in your book you will know it is time to turn the page when you hear r2d2 beep like this let's begin now young commander luke skywalker stood in the rebel ship's loading dock the wreckage of a menacing war machine towered above him. An Imperial Warbot! So, Major, this is what you had to face in your last battle with the Empire. The Major pointed to the giant mechanical claws and powerful laser guns. Believe me, it was no picnic. A full readout of this damaged Warbot would really give us an edge in future combat. Luke turned to his droid companions. R2, plug into the warbot and try to get us a readout. C-3PO watched as R2-D2 cautiously approached the war machine. Oh, R2, don't be such a worrywart. There's no danger here. As R2-D2 plugged in, the warbot began shaking violently. Sparks flew everywhere, and R2 was knocked over backwards. Luke gazed at the smoldering warbot. Oh, no. Its insides are all melted down. We'll never get a readout from that mess. The Major shook his head. No, we have one alternative, but it might be risky. There's an electronics genius named Clickson who could help us. He lives all alone on a place called Droid World. But the man is a bit strange. Downright weird, if you ask me. Luke grinned. Don't worry, Major. We'll get you the readout. Luke, R2-D2, and C-3PO blasted off for Droid World with the Warbot aboard. While cruising in deep space, Luke turned to C-3PO. This Clidson fella makes me nervous. No one has ever seen him before. Pretty strange. Look, Master Luke, something is on our scanners. Luke stared at a giant space station that loomed in the distance. Wow. That's it. Droid World. Only a mechanical genius could have built a ship like that out of space salvage. C-3PO watched as one of the droid world cannons aimed at them and fired. Oh, that came wickedly close, Master Luke. Don't worry, 3PO. It was only a warning shot. A voice boomed over the radio. Captain Cligson, it's your sympathy to droids that brought us here. We have a damaged warbot that only you can fix. Ah, I like a challenge. All right, I'll do it. But I have two rules in my world. First, that no human set foot on my planet. And second, anything I repair, 
Luke turned to his droids. If I were to send you two aboard with the Warbot, R2 could record everything Kligson does. At the very least, we'll end up with the Major's readout. R2-D2, C-3PO, and the crippled Warbot soon found themselves in the docking bay of Droid World. C-3PO was amazed to find every model of droid imaginable busy at work. Oh, look, R2. Isn't this delightful? We're with our own kind now. They were quickly transported to a massive examining chamber. The Warbot was hoisted up behind a huge computerized scanner that flashed a picture of the war machine's insides. C-3PO nudged his friend. There's our readout, R2. I hope you're recording this. Just look at that cheap Imperial workmanship. C-3PO spun around to find Kligson on a video screen pointing at the Warbot. This piece of trash isn't even worth repairing. Send in ZX-3. Kligson, second in command, a towering crimson droid, marched into the chamber. Shall I have the warbot dumped into the melting pit, sir? Yes, ZX-3. And remove the restraining bolts from these rebel droids. They will be free of their master to join us here in Droid World. C-3PO was stunned. But, sir, we love Master Luke. How could we ever think of abandoning him? Droids? Happy with a human master? I've never seen such devotion. ZX-3, bring them to me. I want to examine these two firsthand. As ZX-3 marched them to Clinton's door, C-3PO was baffled. Excuse me, sir, but aren't you an Imperial droid? Yes, but I was rejected as unfit. Clinton reconditioned me. Now get inside, you two. I must deal with that warbot. R2-D2 sensed something strange and decided to follow the Imperial droid. Instead of taking the warbot to the melting pit, ZX-3 moved it to a secret workshop. R2-D2 watched from a concealed balcony as ZX-3 supervised his droid work crew. Get to work repairing this warbot. Clinton was a fool to think I would melt it down. He won't stand a chance against me when I have this war machine working again. R2-D2 whistled softly. ZX-3 spun around. What was that? God, it's that rebel droid spying on us. Blow him to pieces. R2-D2 sped away as laser blasts exploded around him. R2-D2 scurried to Clixon's room. He burst in, beeping furiously to see 3 po Calm down, R2, before you short-circuit. What? ZX-3 is taking over the ship. Are you certain? Clixon shook his head. I've suspected this revolution for some time, but I needed proof. Now it looks as though we must fight. We must move quickly. Follow me. They rushed to the emergency exit. The door opened. 
there stood CX-3. Going somewhere, Clemson? How about a trip to another galaxy? CX-3's mighty laser gun fired. Clemson was blasted to pieces. CX-3's fellow traitors poured into the room with their newly rebuilt warbot. C-3PO and R2-D2 backed away. This looks like trouble, R2. Perhaps we can reason with the brutes. Then again, perhaps not. ZX-3 stepped over the smoldering remains of his former master. Droid world is mine. I was sent here by the Empire to betray Klixon and to take command of the space station. And no rebel droids are going to stand in my way. ZX-3 signaled to an attack squad, which aimed their guns. Shoot those droids! But R2-D2 quickly sprayed the area with a whoosh of his fire extinguisher. And the pair dashed through the clouds, escaping into the hallway. They raced down the corridor. ZX-3 thundered. Droid Tank 1, go after them! C-3PO turned to see a massive tank roaring toward them. Quick, R2! They're catching up! He stumbled around a corner and came to an abrupt halt. Oh no! This is a dead end! We've reached the melting pit! Flames leapt up from the blazing inferno. C-3PO watched in horror as the tank raced closer. This is the end, R2. We're doomed. The two droids toppled over the edge. Ooh. But they didn't fall. Two electromagnets caught them in mid-air and lifted them to safety. But the tank was advancing too fast to stop. It plunged into the fiery pit. R2-D2 and C-3PO were raised to a platform above the pit. Much to their surprise, they found that the man operating the controls was Kligson. For once in his life, C-3PO was speechless. Kligson grinned. You aren't seeing a ghost, my friends. It was a robot duplicate that ZX-3 destroyed, not me. I had to protect myself from him. It took you two rebel droids to expose the depths of his imperial corruption. C-3PO was worried. But, sir, what will you do? ZX-3 has a huge army of traitorous droids under his command. I have been preparing for this day. I have built my own gigantic warbot, which at this very moment is fighting ZX-3's troops. Come, we must get down to the battle. Droid world shook from the force of the brutal war that raged in every corner of the space station. Soon, the fierce combat had ceased. Walls were scorched. Droids were hacked to pieces. Kligson stumbled through the wreckage. I have won, but at what price? My world is in ruins. Look at this terrible waste. Half the population is destroyed. My friends have slaughtered one another. R2 and 3PO, you are free to go. You are fortunate you have a home to return to. The two droids arrived back at their scout ship. Luke smiled proudly. You both did a fine job. 
R2, the readout you recorded will really help in future battles with those Imperial Warbots. But I can't help but feel sorry for Kligson. He loved his droids, yet he was forced to destroy so many of them. R2-D2 beeped softly. C-3PO nodded. You're right, R2. The Empire will soon be back to try and destroy Kligson again. Suddenly, Droid World's powerful engines fired up and propelled the gigantic ship far into deep space. Luke smiled. If the Empire can't find him, they can't destroy him. Maybe Kligson will find peace after all. So there you go. Yeah. Um, Droid World. And that, that recording is a little bit different because I, I read the issue today and then I listened to the recording. And there are some slight differences, but I didn't think it was really worth pointing out. It gives you but, the general story. That, that, yeah. And my summation would give you the general story too. Right. You know, so, but, um, so what do you think of this one? I'm torn. Yeah, well... Has a couple moments that that uh, that um, are sort of precursors to Episode Two. That have it has some prequel moments in it. You're like right. R two R two and three PO getting magnetized onto the, you know, picked up by the magnetic thing, and it's got a very prequel like thing with the Imperial fighting robot. You know that sort of is sort of an echo of the you know fighting robots that you see in the episode two and three of of the prequels um i thought it was really good crossover to have robocop in it <laughs> i thought he was a good character to have hanging around he does look like robocop and uh uh the art in this is hit and miss yes like the first page right off the bat like like c-3po has been eating some like space twinkies or something <laughs> and so is R2 because they're ch- they're chubbed out, man. No wonder they're getting chased down. They they're put on some pounds. I guess that's what happens when your first movie's really successful is you, uh, you know, you start to chunk up a little bit. Now speaking of that first page, look at that tank vehicle, and then there's the guy that's up in the top, up in the turret part of it, going faster, run them down. Yes. Now, now look at his two wingmen. Oh, cool. Now, throughout this issue, you'll see the models just like that. And I know at least one time you see the power droid. And all I'm, yes. every time I think that I, 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 or see that rather, I think the same thing. I, I think sell those figures, man. Sell those action figures. Cause <laughs> you're constantly seeing, at least in the uh, Carmine Infantino issues, you're constantly seeing R5D4. And the Power Droid, which were two of yep. the action figures that were out at the time. So I really think that there was a push for some reason to sell those R5-D4 action figures. Uh, uh, you could very well be right. And speaking of Micronauts, the big Imperial um, droid that leads the revolution is very... He reminds me of... Um, Oh, I can't remember if they were if they I think they were micronauts, but they were but they were held together by magnets. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. They might about. have been shogun warriors of some sort, but they were he reminds me of one of those, you know. He, he's like a mix of uh, a a stor- a red mix of a stormtrooper and 3PO. 
you know he's kind of he's kind of cool i i think he's really cool i've always thought that he was uh, a really cool uh a really cool character because it had been a long time since i had either read or listened to this story and i was curious how it was going to hold up and sadly it didn't hold up very well for me but i still like elements of it and i really like uh, what's his name zx3 the imperial droid but you know for the very first time rereading this today before the show it suddenly occurred to me you know who i think this is supposed to be or or at least like a uh, an homage or or maybe an outright rip off of I think he's kind of like Maximilian, Maximilian. From, from the Black Hole. Oh yeah, you're right. I really do. He's big. He's he's you know he's in 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 the adaptation we just listened to in the storybook that goes along with it. He's even bigger than he is in this. Yeah, he just towers over. He's like twice the size of three PO, and this he's just a couple heads taller than him. And he's like the enforcer muscle guy, kind of like Maximilian was. Uh huh. Uh huh. I just noticed the droid that's uh, in the first panel on page 15. He's cool looking. That one that's all the way off to the right, right there. He's really neat. Because most, I have to admit, most of the droids in this, I think, kind of suck. I really don't like. Well, this one, the spaceships and the technology aren't up to his usual par. No, they're not at all. They're not at all. The art is very inconsistent because you look at page 16, the big panel, you know, the third panel, the one that takes up most of the page. Yeah. And R2 looks so bizarre. Long. He's but, all screwed up. His like one piece is almost up to the top of his. It's like he had a bad facelift or something. And they, <laughs> they pulled off too much of his forehead. But then you flip the page or not even flip the page. You go across to page 17 in that second it's panel. A great... That's a dead on R2-D2. Well, when you go at the end, the second second issue in a row, page 28, Robocop, <laughs> Robocop cries. Yep, I had the same note. Yep. Uh, holding the head of his former friend. Somebody wants R2 and 3PO look great yeah. behind him, you know. They they look awesome. And look at Luke on the bottom of that page. That's photo referenced right there. It's yeah. got to be. Got yeah, to be. It's 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 completely out of Carmine Infantino character. Yeah. The that that the bottom of that whole page is the characters are very photorealistic. It's almost like RoboCop is supposed to look like somebody, you know. It's like he copied somebody's face because right. It's weird. And then, then one more page, <laughs> and, and, and Luke, yeah, and Luke is back to uh, you know Thundar. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Yeah, it's really, really wonky, and it's not. You know, sadly, it's not just the R. I appreciated this story when I was a kid. But now reading it again, this story's really, I'm sorry, it's its kind of stupid, you know? I, it just doesn't, it doesn't hold up for me. I mean, the whole premise that, you know, for one thing, don't, wouldn't you think that the rebels have some sort of value to them, uh, like a bounty value or like a, you know, call this 800 number to turn in rebels in your neighborhood. You know, what, what is... To, what makes these rebel guys so trusting that they would travel to some dude they don't know like Cligson and say, hi, we're from they the Rebel no Alliance. They have no other They're def- desperate. I guess, but wow, what a, I mean, isn't that a pretty big gambit? And especially it's a big gambit to send like 
your well, hero this, guy, you know, this, send this, like this, the ensign guy to go do that, you know, not right. the guy who's like blown up the Death Star and is like a Jedi Knight in training, you know, don't send your most important dude, you know. Yeah, but then the comic isn't as exciting with <laughs> yeah, I, sitting yeah. back at home waiting for the next movie to happen. <laughs> this is true. Sorry, you can't go anywhere. We need you for Return of the Jedi. <laughs> You're not going to fucking around, man. What do you think? There's millions of dollars tied up in this shit. Now, again, going back to page one, um, I don't think C-3PO can run. Can he? He's run before. We've seen him run. We've seen him running up gangplanks. We've seen him trotting around when he has to in just short bursts because I'm sure Anthony Daniels can only run in short bursts. I'm trying to think of what that... There was one where he was in a little bit of a trot. Was it... Maybe it was Empire. You know, on... on where, where he's, you know, like, hurry up, come on. And he's running down the corridor. Yeah, but he, he does as, that, like... so much as C-3PO can run. That's what I mean. Which I reminds mean, me of a story where we had, like, a 400-pound lady who came into our restaurant <laughs> and proceeded to eat about five pounds worth of heavy fatty food before her friend showed up and then ate a three-course meal with them. And then on on her way down to the bathroom, fell down the three steps and was sort of lodged on the steps moaning and crying. And I'm looking at the prep cook and I'm like, holy shit, man. He's like, she shouldn't have been running. And I'm like, you saw her. She wasn't running. And he's like, you saw the size of her. For for her size, that was running. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you look at page two, that second panel, and he's running like an Infantino Flash comic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's full out like arms, you know. Yeah. Arms and legs akimbo. Yeah. I mean, he's he's flying. And and my my point is like C-3PO's run pretty much equates to that you know i just suddenly got the the hershey squirts shuffle you know yeah, like, a, a like short I... burst of speed of <laughs> shuffly speed yeah but but maybe those other robots are also just as slow as him so maybe it's one of those you know goofy chases where it's just like <laughs> dum, dum, you know <laughs> all right i'll buy that i guess slow versus slower you know now clickson both the guy and his shtick have always kind of <laughs> kind of bugged the back of my mind and it finally hit me give the guy a break his wife you know he doesn't have his wife and kids he died traumatically yeah i know gangsters at the father from that 70s show but you know who he is though i mean you you know who he's pretty much a total rehash of in this especially balance on the cyborg hunter exactly uh, just the opposite of balance like the sensitive balance the cyborg exactly hunter. yeah yeah because i was reading his little spiel on page 11 there where you know he doesn't let any humans aboard i'm a cyborg i'm now. not a person anymore yeah and i was like whoa this dude is valance so yeah nah nah i don't know Except he likes robots instead of hates them. (laughs) I get they're his friends. Uh, I do like that ZX3 guy though. I I like the I think the idea is cool that you know they they developed basically a stormtrooper droid. I thought it would it would be cool if they did a special if they ever reprint these comics to put in a. a, you know a a couple battle droids and stuff just laying around in the background. 
Oh, I would love that. Yeah, I would really like it. Look at this. these old vintage battle droids. And they would be like the equivalent of, you know, like the old jukeboxes with the with the bubbles in them. Now, there was... Uh, where is that sequence? Actually, it happens even earlier than I thought that it did. There's that sequence on page 19 where uh, ZX-3 walks out wearing the uh, that harness, the laser cannon harness. And you can see where it's clearly like strapped to his chest. But then you turn the page and suddenly... It's, it's coming out integrated of it. out of in his yeah. chest. All right, but look at that panel, and look at like him, and there's that little R five D four down in the corner that's got the thing poking out of his chest. But then you go back even a uh, back to page seventeen, that last panel. There's that yellow robot with the thing poking out. That just weirds me out. It, they look they look very <laughs> phallic. They're like very phallic looking attachments to all these Well, and, yeah, any kind of gun or club or knife or killing instrument no, usually is. these these really do with the way they're shaped and the and the big tip on the end and it's yeah. just yeah, it's very uncomfortable. It's weird. <laughs> it's very strange. <laughs> You don't like that robot? No, I don't. I don't like that at all. That's not not down with the robot cock. No, not at all. That's just wrong. No, this is going to generate more mail, just like when you didn't like the robot (laughs) rights on Star Trek. Man, now you're going in holograms. Hologram rights. Yeah, okay. Screw those stupid holograms and their rights. Yeah, they don't have rights. They're holograms. No, no hologram rights and no robot cock. Maybe right. that should be our maybe that should be our two true freaks. <laughs> That's t-shirt. our new motor. It'll just say robot cock with a circle and a line through it. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Our shows are 100 percent robot cock free, <laughs> except for issue, <laughs> except for the episode with Droid World. Oh my god! Yep. Our guarantee of quality. Okay. All right. This is where I think this one totally jumps the shark for me, though. Repio's trying to figure out who saved us. And they look up, and it's Kligson standing up there, and they're like, it's Kligson. It can't be. You know, we saw you die. And here's the big explanation. It was an android duplicate of me, and I'm thinking, come, come, oh, how cool, how cool, because because he was so. um, It was a little sarcasm. (laughs) Yeah, I was hoping. But then he explains how he's been one step ahead of everybody all the time, anyway. So I guess that's why he's just, (sighs) you know, he he manipulated everything just to draw out the deceiver that he suspected. I do like the latter column though. The letter column has some cool oh, stuff. Yeah. This was the beginning of the speculation about who the other would be. And somebody in here totally nailed it and, and pretty uh-huh. much had the same reasoning for Leia that you and I had when we were kids, which was, you yeah. know, that she heard Luke's call for help. But I also like some of the other speculations were that uh, maybe Han and Leia's offspring would end up being the other. And then this one I really liked, maybe uh, Luke's son by Leia would be the other and I was like ooh gross oh he'd be another alright yeah he'd be 
thought he'd be another mutant. And uh, I noticed uh, there was a letter here basically saying, uh, wow, I don't envy you guys. Oh, actually, that is how it starts. It says, I do not envy you in the least. And it's a a short letter about, wow, you know, you guys have a how tough job ahead of you. stories about this shit? Yeah, yeah. how are you guys going to fill this gap between the next movie? And I noticed at the end of it, it was signed by Kevin uh, J. Dooley. And that name kind of rung a bell with me, so I looked him up real quick, and it turned out that he had uh, done some work at DC Comics. I think he was an editor or something like that. So then I checked him out, and he's on, uh, he's on Facebook. And so I dashed him off a quick message just saying, you know, you wouldn't happen to be the same uh, Kevin J. Dooley that, that wrote this letter way back in Star Wars 47, were you? And, uh, and I actually got a response back today saying, yep. That was me, all right. So I thought that we should have we should have got him on on Skype and just had him read his letter and just like played <laughs> it like Dear Marvel. That would have been cool. That would have been really cool. Well, it's too late now. But yeah, that's pretty much all I got on that. So yeah, we've got three. Well, I was gonna say three hit and miss issues. Really, what we've got is we've got two hit and miss issues and a stinker, in my opinion. But what what do you what's your assessment on these? I, I I think there are, I would put them I would put the last one in the stinker, but it was a hit and miss, definitely. But it was on the border. No, yeah. I meant the I meant the middle one is my stinker. I I thought forty five oh. was good. You know, was hit and miss. I thought forty seven was hit and miss. I think forty six stinks. The, the Lando and Chewie story. I really, really didn't like that one at all. The art, the the art, bumps it up into passable for me. Okay. Yeah, I definitely like it. seeing um, Tom uh, Tom Palmer on the inks in that one. Mm-hmm. Really, uh, yeah, you're right. His Chewie is fantastic in that. One. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. You know, I can see what they're doing. They're just sort of taking all the characters and giving them their own little spotlight after Empire, mm-hmm. and framing them in the post-Empire world. So I can, I can, uh, I can dig it, man. I can dig it. I just know <laughs> what's coming up, so I'm pretty excited. Yeah. Well, next time, it's going to be an interesting one because, as far as the Star Wars comics go, we've got uh, we've got 48, 49, and 50, which. Uh, 48, we have the third law, which is one of the worst, as I recall. We've got the last Jedi in 49, which is one of the best, as I recall. And then issue 50 is uh, one that I don't much recall at all. So <laughs> that's going to be a lot of fun. But I, re- I remember I remember some interesting stories about the purchase of that issue. So that'll be a lot of fun just looking back on that. And, of course, we'll have another uh, episode of Clone Wars. With more Scottish Sonic the Hedgehog stories. <laughs> and maybe, maybe, maybe even a guest or two. Oh, maybe, maybe. You never know. Visit our website at two true freaks.libson.com. Two true freaks.libson.com is spelled T W O T R U E. F-R-E-A-K-S dot Lipson, which is L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com. You can email Two True Freaks directly at Two True Freaks at gmail dot com. You can find me, Scott Gardner, both on Twitter and Facebook. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, 
visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. We are also members of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check it out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. Thanks for listening. Join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Yahoo! You're all clear, Two True Freaks has been brought to you today by Damanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U.